Fake nerds, for the fifth time, I need to know, what's your favorite scary movie? The Babadook. <laughs> I love elevated horror. The Babadook sucks. Get out of here. Oh, no. I'm talking about a real good horror, because we're talking about the fifth, the fifth edition of Scream. So that's one of my favorite scary movies. Okay, one of my favorites is Stab 8. Man, Stab 8. Stab 8? Let me tell you about Stab 8 real quick. Stab 8 was the, <laughs> the stab of the franchise. I mean, did you see that shit? Ghostface has a flamethrower. I mean, how can you get any better? That doesn't redefine, the, redefine the franchise for a whole new audience. <laughs> okay, I, I, for real, I was not expecting it. I was not expecting that cutscene or that little snippet from Stab 8 where he has a flamethrower. That was weird. Yeah, talk about jumping the gun. All right. Uh, so real quick, who I'm, are we? I'm Sparks Witty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's Spar- Sparks. We also have Brandon T. McClure. Hello, I'm here too. And Ryan Eliopoulos. I'm here. I'm I'm with my prescribed five uh, percent little cane, five percent cream, right here. Five oh, cream. that's why you have the little cane as your background. Okay, yeah. I was yeah. like, Ben. <laughs> and of course, we've got our ghost face with the most face, Ben Magnet, up there. That's me. Right. Uh, we're here to talk about Five Cream, otherwise wrongly known as Scream, uh, or Scream Five. Here's the thing: they're calling the next one Scream Six. So yeah. I'm like, here, I look, it's got to be Five Cream. It I, five res- cream. I respect that the title is a joke in itself because it is taking a shot at the Halloween 2018 film. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's funny. I wish that it was just called Five Cream. Yeah. Yeah. To, scream sex. Screaming. To be honest, when I was looking at this, trying to watch this on Paramount Plus last night, and I put in Scream, I was like, wait, I saw just like two different screams because I was looking for Scream 5. I'm like, am I looking at, am I going to watch the right movie? Thank Hold on. I, I got to tell you. I got to tell you real quickly. Something that I freaking loved is I went to Paramount Plus. I've got Paramount Plus and I, and I plugged it in. Uh, I plugged it. I, I wrote out Five Cream. I literally wrote Five Cream. And it came up. Bravo. Bravo, Paramount Plus. Thank you doing. so much. Ooh, oh. Paramount. Look Ooh, at you, Paramount. Right. Uh, so we're here for the latest, at this moment of recording, Scream Entry. This has been absolutely goddamn fun. Um, I'm so excited to talk about this entry. I'm thrilled we're here. I'm thrilled Ben has seen this whole franchise in such a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. So let's get some first reactions from this movie ben you've seen this once so why don't you go ahead and go first on my first watch i have to say i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. hell yeah i had a fun time it was different we it was kind of the whole joke of the screen movies is that they're very meta is that they're like making fun of horror movies while they're in a horror movie and they're talking about horror movies and the one um randy's niece whose name i forgot Maybe. Where she's talking, like that scene where she's talking about the the requels or the reboots or or the or the requels. yeah, the requels, and the whole time mm. and the whole time she's talking about this is like, yeah, we got the legacy, we got some legacy characters, we got a like when we first meet Sydney, I was like, yay, Sydney, I was so glad to see her for a hot second, and I absolutely love Sam, I love Jenna Ortega in this movie, and I had a blast. Yeah, yeah, uh, Brandon. Yes, sir. Tell me. First thoughts. Uh, initial thoughts. Oh. I know you've seen it more than once. Initial thoughts. Well, so I 
So I saw this in theaters. I really like the Scream movies. Uh, Sparks introduced me to the Scream movies. Um, and I was very grateful to that he did. Um, and watching the trailers for the first film, for this film coming out, I was I was stoked. I thought this looked really great. I was really excited for it. <clears throat> and then like people started talking about like, hey, it's actually a big apology to Ryan Johnson. And I was like, oh. Um, and I was just kind of looking at this movie and like, even if that's not true, because uh, I think that it kind of is and it isn't. I don't think intentionally it's, it, it's meant to be. Um, but I think that like watching this movie twice now has solidified it as my favorite of the Scream franchise. Um, I really like one and two. I really like four. But this this movie does a lot of things that I'm just like. The second time I watched it, especially, I had a big old smile on my face. Like I kept thinking after every scene, I was like, man, this movie rules. Uh, I adore this one. Hell yeah. All right, Ryan. What's hey, up? so hey, guess what? They made another good screen movie. Could you believe it? I'm I'm thrilled with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, not having Wes Craven is a big bummer. Uh uh, and when it was first announced, you're like, okay, they're gonna, you know, every franchise gets rebooted. This is it's what's gonna happen. Uh, but the team behind it, the ready or not team, real good. Really like that movie. And I'm like, okay, cool. Trailers come out. Looks pretty good. Uh I think this movie's a slam dunk. Um, I think it's, I, it is, it is exactly, you know, it is the, it is the, the, the 21st century, the second 21st century version of what a screen movie should be and would be. Um, I think maybe besides like the first movie, it has the strongest performances. I think the performances from almost everybody in this movie are spectacular. Um, including our original trio who get the shine. Um, this is, this could have been like the death nail of, of the franchise if this like reboot was bad, mm -hmm. but it was the opposite. It was a huge success and they, they greenlit a sequel like 10 days later. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's great. Uh, 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 again, I was talking with Sparks uh, the other day about like, is Scream like technically like the best horror franchise? Cause like all the movies are good. The worst one's good. So like Scream is like one of the best franchises out there and Scream 5 came solidifies it. Yeah, um, I think that's that's an excellent jumping on point. I, I do also love this movie. I think if I took myself completely away from my own personal like affections for other sequels, uh, this is the best movie since the first one. Yeah, I think in, in pretty much every blanket way of acknowledging it. Um, there's a lot of factors to that, and we're going to get into them. Um, definitely, I was a person who was like, when you said going forward with Scream without Wes Craven, I'm like, ugh. Ooh, <laughs> especially like I was more on board if they didn't bring back legacy characters. Like if we were starting with entirely unrelated characters, I was like, sure, I'm I'm cool with that because that feels like you're not touching on Wes's legacy. But bringing in Dewey and Gale and Sydney had me really, really nervous at first. And they even but, have a character named Wes. But importantly, yeah, yeah. So they can do the four Wes party. I thought was a really nice touch. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I. I think what helps and what's important is that there's two major factors, which is that Wes Craven, I'm not going to say Wes Craven's necessarily an incredible director. I, I think like his direction's pretty good. Um, what I think is valuable is he's a very good filmmaker. I think that um, I was thinking about it a lot and I wanted to get to it when we got to this one, just in terms of like looking back at the screen films and in general, um, Wes always knows what the themes of his movie are. Um, and while he might not be doing anything incredible with the camera necessarily for directing, sometimes it's kind of like Scream 3, I think is fairly like plainly directed. Yeah, um, yes. I think he's always getting good performances out of the actors and he's always keeping them in line with what the themes of the movie are. And so 
this is such a new thing because I think these directors are legitimately like really good directors. Um, and that's, that's very new to the franchise in a way, just the visual way that this is presented. But I also think they're good at getting performances out of their actors as well. Mm -hmm. um, but importantly, like those actors also had that good relationship. It was one of those things where like when this was coming about, um, Courtney Cox, David Arquette and Nev Campbell were all really hesitant to get back in without Wes. Yeah. They really, really mm -hmm. didn't want to do it. They felt like they were going to be tarnishing his legacy. And it was a lot of two things. The team coming to them with the script, really talking with them about maintaining who, what was true to the characters and what they felt should be there. And that they had a lot of say in how their characters were put into the film. If they felt like something didn't fit, then it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, that's part of it. The other part of it is that Kel Kevin Williamson might not have written the script for this one, but Kevin Williamson was a major hand executive producer and making sure that what was valuable about the Scream franchise and what Wes cared about and what Williamson cared about continued. Um, and that's really important to notice too. I feel that. Yeah, I feel it too. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. that's why this film comes out so successful as the, like we, we're going to move forward with more screen films, but it feels like Williamson and Craven's time was given its full due. And now we're moving into new territory and that's okay too. Um, yeah. So yeah, wanted to get into that and let's, let's jump uh, right in. Um, well, I think how Brian... long? Oh no, go ahead. How long do you guys think that opening scene is with Jenna Ortega? Seven minutes. Ten minutes? Take, take a wild guess. You're, you're really close, Brandon. Oh, am I? Yeah. Fifteen? Okay, too high, but it's 11 oh. minutes and it does not feel like it. Yeah. No. That's an 11-minute opening scene. Holy shit, is that a great opening scene? Yeah. Um, it really moves. One of the things that I think this movie does really well all, all through the movie is build tension. Um, we'll talk about the 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 scene in Wes's house a little later. Uh, but like the Jenna Ortega scene, the opening kill uh, is really cool uh, because you, you, you're like really like, you, you know, you first, if you're not really paying a lot of attention, you're not really too sure that the voice that's calling him is go that's calling her is ghost face. Yes. Um, you, you do catch on, but it's like not immediately. You're just like, wait, Oh shit. Um, and it's like he, the, he's like barely disguised his voice, but it's the way he's doing his inflection. And we'll talk about um, the the actor once again. I'm sure um, who delivers an incredible vocal performance. Um, but he he the so so once you kind of catch on to what's happening, you start to realize you start to like the tension starts to get starts to build, and then like it's get gets um tighter and tighter and tighter uh even like the bit where she's trying to lock the door, and then uh, Ghostface unlocks it and locks it. Great. Like great tension building, and uh, even even when she's getting stabbed, you're just like, "Oh shit!" You spend because you spend so much time pre knowing he's a killer. Yeah, like, it, they just have like a five minute conversation about horror movies and like the Babadook and elevated horror and all that stuff. And then once he's like, "Oh, I know your name," isn't that kind of scary? Then it's mm -hmm. like, "Oh shit, yeah, you're right. It is kind of scary." And then she she enters the heightened mode, and we enter heightened mode, and then the movie changes. Um. It is a, it is, you know, every one of these movies has like an opening kill type of thing, but like this one is really, really effective. Also, it's like the only one where like the, where the, the person survives, which made me immediately think, oh, is she the killer? Oh yeah. <laughs> this movie does such a good job, just like the first one. And, and, and all, of them, all of them do this. Like, like you don't know who the killer is. Like this one, like I it really feel like it could have been anybody. Uh, and they do a good job of once you know who the killer is, you look for the signs, just like the other movies. You're like, oh yeah, it's clearly them. Look how like, they disappear. The only the only people you know for sure it isn't are the legacy characters. Of course, and then yeah. outside of that, you're like, because uh, that would have been <laughs> right. that would have been the, the mistake of the movie. 
And that kind of goes back to what I what I talk about a lot with the past grief films and even whodunits in general. I think whodunits, a successful whodunit is one that you can watch again. Because once you know, because oftentimes with a whodunit, it's really difficult to to recreate that that feeling. So you have to kind of make sure that if you're going for a rewatch, there's more to enjoy. There's more to look for. There's more to kind of be like. And when you're watching this a second time, what you notice is that they're very clear that Amber's the killer. They tell you flat out from the from the jump that Amber is the killer. Yeah, I rewatching that opening scene. I'm like, oh, yeah, like he's looking at Amber through the window. And I'm like, oh, this is so smart. It's, it's this scan, is so smart. Scanned Amber's phone. And it's like, no, it's just Amber's phone. It's just Amber's phone. Yeah. It's, it's even so when, smart once you know. Even in the hospital, when when um, the sister, I forgot her name now, uh, gets Tara? the call. What is it? Sam or Tara? Sam. Uh, when Sam gets the call, it says maybe Amber. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. They're just telling you that Amber's the killer. Maybe. Right. Because, again, can just get away with cloned Amber's phone yeah. as the excuse. So Amber's phone can just be the phone calling from then on. And it's like, no, it's just Amber's phone. Um, just, because these are all tricks that Ghostface has used in the previous films. You're not really looking for that because you're like, oh, well, these are just tricks that he's used. <clears throat> Importantly, there's two things about this opening that, that we're bringing up right now that are, are both, I think, subtextually, their references to Scream 3. And like, they're doing it better, right? It's... Mm -hmm. It's the Roger L. Jackson coming in and doing the like, I'm sounding like a normal person voice before giving in completely to like your the sinister yeah. maliciousness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like doing the voice changer thing, except it's really not. It's just putting on the effects of like, if I don't try to sound like Ghostface, I can just sound like it's, a person. It's Bruce Wayne the Batman. He doesn't yeah, yeah. it darker. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then it's the it's the phone thing, right? Uh, going back to the Amber thing, that's just like one of our my favorite bits in Screen Three, which is knowing that if Roman's the killer, it's just Roman on the phone when he's talking to Sarah. Yeah, uh, and it's the same here. It's just Amber's phone. There's no trick there. It's just Amber's phone in hindsight. Um, Maybe it's Amber's yeah. Phone. God, the, the opening. While we're, so while we're on the opening, though, I want to talk about my favorite shot. My my one of my favorite shot in Scream. So two of my favorite shots. Are, are in this movie and the whole franchise and they both deal with, go with how they frame Ghostface. It's when it's when Jenna Ortega like kicks him and he like get and he like slowly gets up as the camera like kind of turns a little bit and yes. and then it frames Ghostface from the bottom making him look like this very large imposing figure. I don't think Ghostface has ever looked more menacing. It's a good it's a great trailer shot. Uh, uh absolutely. Um yeah like the the framing in this movie specifically it's like obviously it's always a dude. It's always always been a dude, and they're always fum fumbling over. But there are a lot of really great menacing <clears throat> shots uh, in this movie for sure. Yeah. So it's uh, I it, it's very valuable, I think, to also acknowledge that um, this is the most violent uh, Ghostface has been for sure. Um, that's not a lack of a desire to make Ghostface violent in previous entries, but like they were always outside of Scream 3, kind of pushing it for the time. Mm -hmm. um, notably, Scream and Scream One had to pull a lot back because they were getting an NC-17 rating constantly and they were like, we need to get to an R. Yeah. Um, so like, this is the kind of stuff Wes would have wanted to do unbridled by the studio system. Yeah, um, that is just, excellent. It is time allowing that to happen. I the fact that Jenna Ortega survives getting stabbed seven times the way that she did, like multiple times in the stomach, in the back, her ankle gets stomped on. I'm like that that little girl went through so much. If she's a killer, I swear to God. There's so many great kill. There's so many great kills, and just even like keeping it on the on the beginning when when she when her when her hand gets stabbed through. 
excellent cringy moment. You're just like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Jenna Ortega is great in this. I think more than anything, one of one of my favorite things is her scene where she's wheeling herself through the hospital. Oh, because the, oh, the bloody hand. So often you'll get a character going into a wheelchair in a horror movie and like, you know, they're just, all right, I'm, I'm, I gotta, you know, like gotta I got go injured the last time, but here I gotta go. And it's like, no, it's like it, Jenna Ortega is putting the effort of like her physical injuries are still taking a toll on her throughout the film. Bloodying the wheels, leaving a blood trail. <laughs> like it's, it's awful. That, that again, like, I don't know if anyone's gone through more than maybe that girl, uh, uh, besides Sydney, of course, but sure. like, like I know it's got stabbed seven times and then got attacked multiple times after like that. Like she, yeah. she really went through the ringer on this one, man, for mm -hmm. sure. Thank God she had a supportive sister. Uh, ben, what do you think of the opening? Oh, I loved it. Um, I think I, but because of the uh, Scream 6 trailer, I knew Jenna Ortega wasn't going to die. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it was still so violent, because for a split second, I was like, oh no, she's she's dead because she got stabbed seven times. She's like, you could see the only same grace is like you see the sirens, you see the, the police showing up, and you see the ghost face about to like deal officially blow. Then you get the title screen and when we meet Sam for the first time and you get the phone call, it's like, Whoa, that's brutal. Yeah. And we get introduced. Yeah. We get introduced to Sam. She works at like a roller rink. She's got a, she's got a great, 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 cute new boyfriend, Richie, you know, uh, Jack. Oh Quaid my God. What Can a we... lovable, lovable scamp that guy is. Jack Quaid is wonderful in this movie. I, there's another scream constantly putting characters in the movies in a movie that I never knew they were in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, think, what's, that's what's fun about these kind of things. I think Jack Quaid is is so good in this movie, and so to the point that when he is revealed to be the killer, you're kind of like, oh, I'm kind of bummed well, he, about he that. Has that. He has that really great he line, which it. is like, I know, I know, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's me. Yeah, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, it is Jack. It is a bummer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also think it was completely the right call. Um, We'll get into that. I'll, we'll we'll save talking about the killer's towards Requel. the end. Uh, but I do think Jack Quaid's great in this. Um, I think he's doing a very good job of being exactly what he is. Yeah. Um, I I like our I like all of our new teens. You know the twins. I like uh, most of our new teens. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like I I think they're all fun. Like there is there is Liv who is like the mm. boring girl, but like I think her being the boring girl is funny because they make fun of her a lot for it. And I just think that's funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then like, she tries to turn it around and ends up just getting her killed. And I'm like, man, that's what, just, what a boring, sad, like, man. Well, I think all, I think all of the characters that make it out of this movie, I'll, I'll say that. I'll say that all the characters that make it out of this movie are really interesting. And I'm happy they, they did because I like them a lot and I would glad, gladly follow them into the sequel. Sure. Yeah, if Liv was one of the survivors, I'd maybe feel differently. But right. Yeah, I mean, but kind of the joke is that Liv is boring, and she does, and she does die. There is a character in the trailer who I completely misremembered doesn't make it out of this movie. Is that Liv the, or Wes? No, the 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 trailer for Scream Six. Let me. Sorry, I wasn't clear enough. The trailer for Scream Six shows a character who I thought died in this movie. Oh, I see. One of and the like twins. one of the twins, the, because yeah, like it's oh. it, it's weird because like I saw him in the trailer for Scream Six, and I was like, oh right, because he survived at the end of the movie, and I misremember a scene from Scream Five. But no, they just he's just dead at the end of this movie. No, he isn't. 
No, he doesn't. You see him in yeah, the uh, ambulance? No, he gives, he gives, he gives a, a thumbs, thumbs up. in the ambulance. Yeah, we see him in the ambulance. How did I miss that? Uh, yeah, no, he's alive. He's definitely alive. Do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna scrub through because I, I, I missed that, and that's actually a problem. Because if I did, there's something wrong with my brain. We definitely <laughs> j- literally just watched it. I think you just like looked at your phone. You blinked. You were talking. Oh no! Don't 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 say that. I'd never look at my phone when I'm watching a movie. There, there, <laughs> oh, okay. Go. Oh, he's actually gonna. Okay. Um. Uh. Uh. Where are we from here? We were talking about live. And how Liv is, uh, but she needs me, she needs a get guy because that yeah, yeah, yeah. is kind of funny. That's the thing is that she feels like she's she's there as fodder to me, and I'm like, if there were a character I thought needed just a little bit more of something, yeah. it was Liv. That's true. Like she does have that one good moment with Mindy, but then outside of that, I find her completely unremarkable. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like, uh, I, I'll I'll say like, because you need characters who can die in the movies, but like, I also but we care need about to, every character, but you also need to care, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. And and Liv is one who I'm like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that's where I land on that one. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. I, I never really cared about Liv. She was like hardly there. And then when she shows up, and she has that scene with um with a, what's her name on the couch. Mm-hmm. I for a second I thought, oh, are you the killer? You're, right, and that's she, what it's there to make you feel is like, oh, could it be this? But like, I I feel personally like that scene maybe comes a little too late. Like I wish that beat were earlier in the movie to sure. kind of make me like at least thinking about Liv because frankly I'm just not thinking about Liv enough up to that point. Well, I mean, again, like if we're going off other movies, like Mick Mickey disappears like a lot. No, it's movies. true. So like it's true. If 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 she was going to be the killer, like oh yeah, you guys don't suspect the boring girl because what am I doing being boring? Right. But, like if they were going that direction, it would work. But again, like I feel like they didn't know what to do with her until that one scene. Yeah. Uh. uh and again, because all the other characters in these other movies, like none of them are boring. I'll, I'll really. even I'll even put it this way: um, I wish there were like one more scene somewhere in the movie with Mindy and Chad, like both of them. Or sorry, not Mindy and Chad, um, Chad and Liv. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, because I feel like that could have done a lot. Sure. Yeah. 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 For them being twins, like yeah, they don't really they have somewhat of a relationship, but it's mostly just like yeah, we're twins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're brother yeah. sister. Hopefully, yeah. that's more explored in the. Sequel. Yeah, I do love how they're Randy's niece and nephew, though. <laughs> Seeing his aunt, uh, their aunt or um, Randy's sister. Yeah. I like, I really like Mindy as like new Randy. I think she's got a lot of good energy for it. Yes. And everything. I do too. When we get to like the party scene, um, it's it, this is fine for me for this movie. In the next movie, I need Mindy to take things a little more seriously. Oh, like sure, when, sure, when sure. killings are happening around them. Like there's a part of me that's a little bit like Mindy. This is Stu Mocker's oh, house. Like she's and watching. You know that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what are you? What are you doing, Mindy? Maybe Mindy, you gotta like. She's like joking about her brother potentially going outside and getting yeah, killed. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Mindy, this isn't funny. They people are dying. Wes is dead. <laughs> they don't explicitly say it in the movie, but if Mindy should have been like, "Oh, I'm the Randy. I know I'm not gonna die in this movie, so I have nothing to worry about." They should have done something like that. Yeah, she is, see, even she like, is very laissez even her, about... even her living in the meta would have like helped me a little yes. bit, but I'm like, your friend is dead. Yeah. And I don't feel like you're taking this as seriously as you should. And she like, she does acknowledge that like, you know, watching the movie like helps calm her nerves and that kind of thing. And like, that's all fine and everything. But like legitimately when her brother like goes outside and doesn't come back for a while, I'm like, Mindy, come on. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mindy, mm-hmm. take this serious. No, yeah, I, again, like that's one of those things like- At a certain yeah. point, Randy got serious. One one line could have fixed that for Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm just because hoping she's one, like- she can still be like the meta references and just like Randy was in Scream 2, but I do want her to like live in the moment of the sincerity of what's happening. Yeah. She got attacked. Her brother got attacked. Like she's yeah. um, 
so in, in this movie, it's it, it kind of Scream Three. We talked about the, the last time we talked about Scream. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and one of the one of the clunkier th- things about Scream Three is the is the exposition. There's the Randy scene where Randy's sister that we never knew existed shows up and and gives her a tape. But it's sure. very funny, very funny that this movie was like, and there's that character again. It's it's very much doing the best. It's one of the things like it, this is a. In general, this film is a little different from the other Scream films because usually the Scream movies are specifically targeting the horror movies of the time. This is a little less true with this one. There's Halloween for sure, but then there's not that many horror films that are doing the requel or the legacy sequel right now. So they're instead targeting that that is a trend in general. When she has that monologue, she goes after it. She's like, Terminator's doing it. Uh, Star Wars is doing it. Like that's that is a trend happening in hollywood it's just not necessarily big in the horror genre as much mm. go ahead so Brandon. well so so they she she mentioned saw and this is one of the only times excuse me this is one of the only times that i paused the movie because like i i was i was watching this with my partner and we both really liked the saw movies uh she introduced me to the saw movies and we went to see spiral now i've talked at length about how spiral is a misfire um and he and and she talks about specifically how spiral is one of the is one of those attempts at kind of a, a legacy a legacy sequel or a requel, and and the and this movie really solidifies how much of a misfire the spiral is. And I'm just going to take a minute to just shit on spiral for a second, because sure. um, it it this is what spiral should have done. Scream Five is frankly what spiral should have been. It should have been that kind of legacy sequel, but it's not. Instead, it tries to elevate the Saw franchise and it tries to do a stab eight more than a Scream Five. Like it tries to elevate the Saw franchise into this kind of like quote unquote elevated elevated horror uh, area and completely ruins everything that works about the Saw films. The Saw films are slash are are gore horror films. If you get away from that, there's nothing left. It's not Saw anymore. That's actually right. that's honestly the appeal of Saw. You get if, if it, it, the the way that the way that Five Cream is presented is that this still needs to be a scream movie. We're not elevating scream. This is a scream movie. It's a slasher whodunit. There's nothing more to that. Uh, right. we, we can play in that genre, but if we leave that genre, we're not scream anymore. Right. hundred percent. I, I think that's a good point. I think also like what's there in that discussion is that <clears throat> what, what like elevated horror, however you want to apply that term, what I think is really happening in the horror genre is that where there's a lot of this like indie creativeness is that, things that aren't in the scream umbrella or like franchising umbrella, they're all being so designed to tell one horror story and that's it. They're not trying to create new icons or give you a reason to feel like you need a sequel or anything. They're trying to tell you one spooky story and that's the end. Um, Hereditary and all these things that come from a 24 for sure. Yeah. Um, But that's usually the goal there. And that's not the kind of thing you can do with Scream. Scream's not generally set up. That, 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 that's Scream's got its icon. Ghostface is an icon. It has its legacy characters. It has this whole thing. It can't kind of live in that umbrella. Um, and I think <clears throat> that's where like Halloween got weird with David Gordon Green is that it wanted to bring like the sensibility of serious, more serious modern horror into something where your characters are icons. Mm -hmm. um and those things like mix and match with like different variables we've talked about with the halloween franchise of success and failure but here in horror and in general on the requel discussion i think that they do such a good job this is getting back to the original point i was going to make with bringing back things like randy's sister taking the pieces that maybe even didn't work before 
and reincorporating them in a way that makes it work better using yeah. it to the advantage of the story that they're telling to go forward, using it to the advantage of building forward. Like yeah. what I, what I think is so great. And this happens a lot in other horror franchises because usually when they're coming back to something and they're trying to make a good one, a quote unquote good one, they'll say, yeah. So like the classics great, but forget all those bad ones, guys, like forget all the bad sequels. And that's usually how they are. But scream doesn't have to do that because none of its sequels were truly, truly bad. Yep. It can mm -hmm. just be like, Yes, everything that happened, happened. And we're still living in the world where that happened. Judy's still here. Scream 4 still happened. Scream 3 still happened. It's just respecting, like, it's all just here. It's just respecting continuity like a comic book. <clears throat> like, it all happened. You might not have to like it, but, like, it all happened. That's a really good, that's a really good analogy, Ryan, with the, the comic book thing. Because, like, Scream, Scream was built from its, from its inception to be a commentary on horror. And so, like, the because it's like scream four is like the reboot scream, but it's not really a reboot. It's a legacy sequel. It's a legacy sequel before that term was even coined. Um, right. Scream five is a legacy sequel, but there was already one, <laughs> but like, so they scream is able to, to scream works so well because it, it's able to fit what it's trying to do without outright rebooting its franchise. It can just say, Oh, this scream four is a reboot. That's the that's the reboot movie. That's what it's trying to commentary on. It's trying to commentary on those reboots. This is trying to commentary on those legacy sequels. And it works really well because we can keep all the elements going forward and we can keep building off of them. When I saw Judy in this movie, I was flabbergasted. I was like, oh shit, that's right. Because between I saw when I saw Scream Four it was years before I saw uh, before I saw Scream when I saw Scream Four between Scream Five the first time. Right. So yeah. like it was it's really cool that they're able to do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. Judy coming back is great. She's a lot less weird and creepy in this one. She's kind of just grown up into a nice mom, sheriff. Um, uh, I I love. It's always about like Scream One. You know, you have these characters, but they all have this history you know, that we don't know about with the mom and Billy's dad and all that stuff, right? We come to this movie, and now Sam has a history that we don't really know about, but it's connected to those original movies, and like it all makes sense and it all fits. And like rewatching this again and having billy show up as like as like her psycho uh like psycho brain like hey you're, you're part of my family so you got to see some crazy stuff and i'm like i don't i really like it and i don't know how much it actually adds to the movie <clears throat> but it just it's a nice fun wrinkle again like going from is it scream three where she sees her mom yeah yeah and like it kind of reminded me of that i'm like okay like this is this is all in line it's like it's not completely out of the ordinary to see you know a, a dead relative um and like her having to like embrace her serial killer side, like it's almost like Dexter. Like she doesn't do it to kill to kill people. She does it to save people from bad people. Um, and like and like her stabbing stabbing when she like forty times was kind of really really satisfying. I I do really like the inclusion of Skeet Ulrich as Billy Loomis, which is funny because when I was first in theaters and it happened, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. I immediately <laughs> like, what? yeah, what's happening? Um, but I have to say, I think it I think it's really good. I think it really works. And um, there's definitely an element where they're they're at least flirting with the idea that that's really a ghost and not just her brain. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And my only argument for this, my only argument for this is Billy sees the knife before Sam does. Sam doesn't see the knife, then look at yeah, Billy. Billy, yeah. Billy sees the knife yeah. and kind of is like, there's a knife That's there. That's what and got Sam's me. like, oh, there's a knife there. That's what like, got me. Wait, is Billy there? <laughs> That's what I'm like, is this becoming supernatural a little bit? No, but. Ben, 
yeah. your first time watching this, I really want to know what you thought when Billy shows up. Oh man, for uh, when he first shows up, I'm like, what? And then I was like, okay, how is he related to Sam? How was he that? How really? I was just at first, I was kind of confused because I'm like, he's dead. How is he showing up in Sam's brain or in the mirror? What's going on? And then when she reveals that she's Billy's daughter, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like that whole exposition dump on how um, her her adopted dad left it, but she didn't know. And she's just like, like the reason why she went crazy or not crazy, but the reason why she went distant, the reason why she was getting in trouble a lot was because she was still so mad at her mom for keeping the secret and of and of course when the secret's brought to light her dad find the dad finds out and he just gtfos he's out yeah, well sam, so many, sam thinks she ruined everyone's life well because like yeah. it, and it's it's so well layered because it's it's both things right like i made dad leave because i'm the one who told him yeah unintentionally and uh also i'm billy loomis's daughter so maybe um serial killer is hereditary which is you know regardless of how i feel about that it's hard for me in the scream franchise to say that's not true because there's also mrs loomis sitting right there yeah right. so, yeah. so that's at least two generations so there could for be this franchise i'll allow it yeah 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 well um, so like one it's one, one of the things that's really cool about about bringing it back to billy is that it's unpredictable right like we talked a lot about how scream is is plays in the predictable but also in the unpredictable there's predictable and unpredictable elements in every movie um and sometimes it and sometimes and and it's really a master at juggling those kind of things this film is no different so introducing the idea that billy loomis had an illegitimate daughter um is really fascinating and and completely unexpected that you wouldn't necessarily think would happen because oftentimes when these movies go back to the past they connect someone to Mm. sydney's mother um and it's fine, but like the, what this film, I think, rightly decided to do was step away from that so far and be like, actually, this person is related to Billy. I think that was smart, or I think that was like the, a better choice because so many times have we connected stuff back, or not so many times, but there is definitely a lot of um, hints like, oh, I knew your mom, or there was someone related to Sydney's mom. The fact that Sydney is Sydney takes more of a backseat because she's been through this four times. She's like, I'm, I'm retired, man. I'm done. Um, yeah. She finally has a good life. She, she's finally, she's like, she's happy. She's enjoying her life. She married Detective McDreamy. Oh, she did. Multiple kids. So, living life. It, it, to your point, Ben, like up to this film, at least one killer has always been related to either Billy or Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's Billy's mom in two. It's Sydney's half brother in three. And then Sydney's niece in uh, four or cousin, sorry, cousin in four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, wild yeah but i like how they related but with scream five is specifically scream five i like how they related a character to billy but this is our main character we're following throughout the entire film who's the victim not the murderer yeah i mean she gets one kill at the end but that's in self-defense that's she ain't going to jail for that right Um, yeah uh Also, worst hospital ever. Just the Woodsboro oh, Hospital for the, second, for the second time in in a decade. Where worst are these, hospital where are all these workers again? Woodsboro needs more workers. I, I'm watching this like when the lights go out and the, I, you see the cop that, but then I was like, "There's nurses everywhere. There should be all these other people around watching." I know her. they are. They're at the hospital in Halloween and in Halloween They're in Kills. Hadfield. They're in Haddonfield. Uh, Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. They're too busy in next so, door. 
So they go from Woodsboro, California to Haddonfield, Illinois. Okay, cool. Yeah. They make just a bus ride. So, so like I'm of two minds about it. Where I'm like, well, this seems kind of ridiculous when you consider Scream Four because like wouldn't you increase staffing after the incident in Scream Four? But, but I'm like, that was also later, ten though. years later, and I'm like, yeah. the hospital just went to back to standards, which is like pretty lax. Yeah, <laughs> only three probably. patients. Uh, I just love I just love Jenna Ortega's line when she's in the ambulance. Can you take us to a different hospital this time? I'm like, girl, <laughs> yeah. girl, get out of town, please. Right. I think the, um, the hospital, because you brought it up, the hospital scene, uh, Ghostface, when uh, stalking Jenna Ortega is my favorite scene in the movie. Um, there's some incredible uh, framing and action beats in it and just the the when Ghostface walks out of the room. And for the first time, we hear Ghostface in person. Because he turns on yeah, the thing, yeah, on, that was yeah. so that was good, cool. so good. Multiple, multiple good ho- uh, uh, hospital scenes. Because you got the second one where like she's alone, but then you have the first one when Tara's in the hospital and Sam goes to visit her, mm. and then she's like, "Why don't you come visit me?" Goes face. He's like, "Yeah, I'd love to." And just kicks the door. God, open. that's so good, and that's oh. so You're respected. Just not ready for it. Yeah, and like again, watching this again, I'm like, "Holy shit!" It kept, just catches me off guard every yeah, time. Yeah. Because, uh, like, you don't expect them to be in broad daylight like that. You psycho. Uh, much to your point, Brandon, that's a really excellent point because this change of, like, where the voice box is and the mask is the first time that we're able to see Ghostface in action on the screen and talking at the same time. It's a good point. Yeah. Usually Ghostface's voice comes over the phone and then the killing is separate because they're doing the voice boxing by hand. That's a good so point. that's a really nice touch. Um, I want to jump backwards because we're getting close to a point that I don't want to hit yet. Um, I really like killing uh, Stu's nephew yes mm. yes Stu's nephew uh early in the film um who's the piece of shit right. guy who was uh stalking live and everything because one it was given away in the trailer so i'm glad we just got it out of the way early he is he is he is the one kill that like feels a little separate yeah but i'm also like but it's fine because it's like it's fine because it's like again like it was something they could give away in the trailer and i'm like fine just yeah. get it done like you don't care about him it's not important to care about him it's just yeah. like showing ghosts and to their credit it's a good kill i like the use of red right hand it's the, it's the triumphant return of red right and hand. it's it's in the radio so when the car turns mm. off it turns off before the chorus and starts. then it turns off and then Ooh, they turn yeah. it back on when the stab happens yeah, which is good. really good it's good yeah. Yeah. I think um, that so I think like, honestly, it, but it also creates like a really good misdirect for people to be like, okay, well, why why was he killed? Well, this doesn't make any sense. He, how is he related to all this? And then the reveal that he was Stu Mocker, related to Stu Mocker, is a is honestly right. pretty decent. It's 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 well handled. It, it is, I think so. Um there's there's specifically like two deaths that are pretty close to each other, too, that are that are rough. Two two death scenes, I should say, because the killing of Judy and Wes. Oh, is, yeah. oh and again, like another like subvert your expectation of who's gonna die first. Like Judy's hauling ass to save her baby boy taking a shower. Uh, uh, my my partner brought this up. It's the first shower scene in the Scream franchise. Um, uh, up until now, the sh- the Scream franchise has never had a shower scene, and nope. I was thinking, oh, about- nope, nope, sorry, no Scream Three, the very opening. Uh, Leah Schreiber's girlfriend, girlfriend. Christine is in the shower because she it. slips on that water. Yes, we do. Oh, uh, Ghostface calls Leah because she has her hair and up. says That's she's right. very pretty. Cotton and walks in and looks at her and she's inside the shower. That's true. Mm. Fair. I commented, "Why is her hair not wet?" And then I learned girls sometimes don't wash their hair in the shower. Fair. Fair. I'm not even going to dispute that. I'm just going to go on to my point. Um, but like, sure. what what what's really interesting about the about this one in particular is that. 
you know, shower scenes are really effective for horror. It's why horror uses them a lot. Um, uh, even there's even like a shot that's to because they mentioned Psycho and then cut to the 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 faucet because it's it very 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 influential shower scene. Shower scenes are really vulnerable for 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 characters. They're very much like you can. Uh, they're very much like you're you're completely exposed. You can't hear anything, so anybody can show up behind you. I have a lot of anxiety when I'm in the shower. Is what I'm saying. Um, and so like when um, when the um, so when when you're hearing the conversation with Judy and Ghostface overlapped with seeing Wes in the shower, you honestly think that Wes is going to kill in the shower. That's what's going to happen. But because this movie is so brilliant, because this movie is playing with scream tropes, it decides to subvert your expectations and waits a really long time before Wes eventually dies. Um, right. Using a lot of the same kind of tropes that we're, we're playing with, with the shower scene was, you know, opening the door with the music blaring, closing the door, no one there. They do that twice. Um, yeah. It, it was, it's honestly really cool. They do the same thing with Jenna Ortega, though, though to a smaller degree in the opening of the yeah. first film, too. There's a couple of shots that set up for like ghost faces here. Nah, they're not. Um, oh, my God. It's like five full minutes of her opening something, closing <laughs> yeah, something, yeah. opening a door. I was like, Just but, all the, but all the more importantly about the West and Judy kill is that it's it's our second time of a kill in daylight in screen. It almost never happens. And it's always very effective because the other most, one of the most shocking deaths in the franchise is Randy. Randy killed in broad daylight oh, in the van yeah. in screen two. And that's the only other daylight kill in screen. Oh my God. He just stabs Judy right on her, on her sidewalk. It's right. like, good morning. I mean, I guess you can say technically Sarah's killed in daylight in screen three, but she's inside a building. It's a little, I don't like yeah, a I really don't. dark studio building. It's I don't little, count it. But, but like out in broad daylight like this, um, and it's what makes it so shocking, too, is because you're waiting for Wes to get it, and they're constantly, like, throwing you off, playing into horror tropes and everything. And then Judy gets it first. Uh, and then uh, the tension of, like, Wes about to open the door, but he just shuts it. Um, brutal. Brutal. Great, brutal, brutal. Great stab in the neck. I'm so sad Wes died. <laughs> like, very, I loved like, Wes. That physical, I, that practical, like, knife in the throat. Like, oh, it just bled. Yeah. I was and a very nice. And a very ballsy, brutal killer. Uh, the way that they go at Judy just on her front lawn. Yeah. yeah, I had you just I was, need to converge faster. <laughs> I was expecting Judy to die when she came back. I did want her to, but I was like, oh, you're probably gonna die. I'm not gonna like that part. But I was not expecting Wes to die that quick. I was expecting if Wes was going to die, or I mean he does, but I was thinking, okay, he's probably gonna die later in the movie. He's probably gonna think he's the killer or yada yada yada. But like when he's in the shower, he's like taking care of like setting up for sushi and everything. And you're right. The, the time when he's opened the door and closing it, I'm expecting Ghostface to be right there and be like, "Ha ha, surprise!" But then he just like turns around and there and there they are. It's just like Shiv. Yeah. Very, to me, that was very effective. And also, it's like okay, once again, I'll, just like every other screen movie, all bets are off. Any one of them could be the killer. And um, I was just bummed because I liked Judy. I mean, she was a little creepy, but I still liked her. Oh, she's she's like not my baby boy, and I'm like, yeah. oh, Judy. I remember you used to hide in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's rough. It's a it's a brutal brutal murder scene. Mm -hmm. Um, real quick, I'm gonna jump over to the twins. I just want to touch on that. I'm really glad because this specifically in horror franchises, usually when you are casting someone who is hearkening back to a previous generation you usually try and cast someone who looks a lot like the original star oh yeah 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 i'm really glad that they didn't feel the need to do that these people can have the spirit of randy specifically mindy oh but they sure. can be randy's relatives without looking really anything like randy and that's fine yeah can i tell yeah, you a little story? 
Can I tell you a fun story about Chad the first time I watched this movie? Sure. Um, so Chad, the act- died. no, the actor um, is from Love, Victor. Um, uh-huh. And he's wonderful. I really like him and everything I've seen him in. And not just Love, Victor. He popped up in a few things uh, shortly after Love, Victor premiered. But in the first season of Love, Victor, he's a douchebag. And like that actor looks like a douchebag plays douchebag very well and so like that so like did that so like for the for season two of, of love victor aired where he's not a douchebag anymore he's friends now and then this movie came out and i'm like i still see you as a douchebag i still like yeah. think of him as that douchebag from love victor season one because he did it so well so watching this i was like no no, no. he's a nice guy in this one i need to keep remembering that some people they just have resting bitch face, resting douchebag face. Like some people are just they're resting ma- jock face, resting jock face. Like they're born with it and they're perfect for these type of roles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like the the bit when he's talking to his girlfriend after making it's like it's like I'm still not sure you're not the oh, killer. You're uh, so kill. I, I want to talk about that because that's like my favorite line he has. It's one of my favorite lines in the movie because it you can tell it's him not <laughs> sure how to walk himself back out of saying the sentence. So he's like, I guess I just have to say this whole sentence. I'm not entirely sure that you're not the killer. Couldn't find the other words to not say that. I'm like 99% sure, but yeah. Which like, you know what? That's smart. That's very mm-hmm. smart. He's got a good. You know what's real stupid when you're Randy's nephew oh, is God. going out into the bushes of again, you know, Stu Mocker's house, and being like, "Oh, Liv's doing like a find me with the app <laughs> bullshit." See, what here's are you the doing? thing: he's half Randy, but he's still half Jock, and that half Man. Jock's half Buzz. Yeah, yeah, and he's half Buzz, and he's like, "I might be getting late, so give me a candlestick. I ain't scared." But I, I do like that he takes the candlestick because it does show that like he is actually listening to Mindy. He's like, yeah, no, I'll take so I'll take a weapon. But he wouldn't be getting laid soon because again, not entirely convinced they're not the killer. Well, now I bet he feels bad, so he'll risk it for the sure, biscuit. Sure, you know, <laughs> which is exactly what a killer. If Liv were the killer yeah. in this circumstance, would have done. Like the whole time, when like when he gets the at notification from Liv, it's like, "Hey, here's my uh, find find me on my phone." I'm like, "Oh no!" Yeah. It's like there's a trap. That that's the second, good. The second that he's outside, he looks on the app, and she's right in front, and he looks on the ground. There's nothing there. You run, bro. You run. Uh-huh. You run. Yeah, I'm like, come on. You gotta be smarter, bro. You gotta be smarter. I like that. I do like that. He's trying to turn it off, and then just chucks the phone. Mm-hmm. Sure, that is smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he gets stabbed like, a lot. Yeah, yeah. He, I do like the scene where uh, where Ghostface comes out of the shed. Yeah, and yes. he and he's just crawling. He's like, ah, oh, nah, and they just get stabbed. I actually thought he was dead. I, I cannot tell you the biggest sigh of relief I had when um, Mitty's coming out. And she gives the thumbs up, and he gives the thumbs up in the ambulance. I'm like, oh, thank God, they're they're alive. They're both okay. Well, they're not okay. They both got stabbed, but they survive though. Yeah. I I almost thought we were gonna get when when Ghostface comes out of the shed and he looks back. I almost thought we were gonna get a oh you motherfucker. <laughs> oh another Tyson blind. Yeah, we were gonna get that. Okay, I want to talk about. Okay, I want to talk about Dewey, but I don't want to talk about when Dewey gets killed. Bow, bow, I want to talk bow, about bow. just like Dewey being reintroduced, which I think is really really well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we pick up with him, the fact that he's very hesitant to get involved. Uh, and then he calls Sid. Um, but he texts Gail. <clears throat> and when he calls Sid, it's like he's just like saying, don't come here. Don't do any of this. 
I don't want you to be a part of this. Don't put yourself at risk. Do you have like, a gun? Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I'm Sydney. I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course, I got a gun. Um, but it's the part where she says, uh, Dewey, whoever this killer's after, I'm glad they have you to protect them. And then you see the change in David Arquette's face when he's like, oh, I should protect these kids. And it's like, oh, Dewey, you're too good because you're too pure. Because he says like, yeah, I'm fine. And then Sydney's like, well, I actually, because I know who you are, that's why I'm asking, how are you actually fine? Yeah, yeah, right. And he's like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, There's such a good, um, we've seen them like come back and reunite. I know you guys, some of you like Ben haven't lived with the franchise the whole time. So the time distance isn't the same, but like, I think you could even tell like go, going back to screen four, we've seen these characters like be apart for a long time and come back together. It's been 25 and there's something, years. There's something more wistful and sorrowful and i do think it's just age for them at this point that that it is far more like a the way that they come back into each other's lives how that feels um notably like the dewey gale scene is super emotional and and tough because at this point that they were filming in real life david arquette and courtney cox had split up mm -hmm. um and they'd met on the screen film so the emotionality for this and i think there's a lot of like I, I'm pretty sure they mentioned somewhere that they kind of let them Do take the, the reins of what that scene was going to be. Like they they wrote like a framework and then let them just kind of drive. Because they really only have one big scene together, but it is a a it is like an important scene and kind of the only scene you really need for this movie because it gives you all the context of the last ten right. years for them. And you yeah. and if you go into like real quick, Brandon, mm -hmm. if you go into like the real life stuff, like David Arquette, very very publicly and very personally takes a lot of responsibility for why they didn't work out and like problems with his own. Uh, overcoming issues and addictions and things like that. And um, and that there's still a strong friendship and acknowledgement between the two of them, but like their relationship just didn't work out after all that time. And I think that they really worked that into the scene very well. It's very, very emotional because it feels, it feels, real. It feels very, very real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I it, think that's one of the things that I really like. Sorry, Ben, real quickly. I just, yeah. I just think that the, the scene works so well because like David Arquette is bringing David Arquette had, retired from acting for quite a while in between four and five um to become a, a wrestler i think it was um yep. and he and he hadn't really done something like this for so long and and he he really brings it in that scene specifically when he's talking when he's talking to gail um i think two things i want to mention just real quickly is that one i really like the change of courtney cox cox's gail where she where she's like i'm not here for them yeah that's that's I had to do that. I'm here because of you. I want to yes. make sure that you're okay. And like, that's very clear. Like she's very sincere about that. She's not lying. She's not putting on a face. She's like, this is why I'm here. I'm not here for any other reason than to find out if you're okay. Um, and then Dewey has this moment where he's like, you think I, you think I don't know that you think I don't know. I'm the one who left. And like, he brings up, like, I left in the middle of the night. I couldn't hack it in New York. And like, that's a really powerful moment for the two of them. Like emotions are already really high because Judy has just died. But like the two of them are really just bringing it in that moment. And it's such a, it's such a powerful scene to have together. And honestly, the film would be weaker if they'd ever got to have that scene. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. It really makes a, regardless of like the fact that at this point, like they're really trying to reflect their real lives where in like the previous ones, it's much more like what's, what's accurate to the characters rather than necessarily what's happening to David Arquette and Courtney Cox in real life. Um, this one is being reflective of real life, but even taking that into account over the five films, you don't see relationships like this in horror films a lot or in films in general where like it's over multiple films and it's not necessarily like they got together and it all worked out, but it's, it's constantly like, like there's something here and they just constantly are struggling to make it work mm -hmm. um, because of the things they want in life. Yet they both know that they really care about each other. They're yeah. Like they're, 
they have such a love for each other, but they're just such different people. It's right. like, it's almost impossible to make it work. And you just, no matter how hard they try. And you really just don't see relationships like that on film period, but especially in a horror film, it's so rare. Yeah. I think my ben, favorite real quick, so my last thing on, on this, uh, uh, when she's like, Dewey, you're a lot of things, but you are not a coward yeah. is maybe my favorite line from Gail. Cause like, you are right, Brandon. Like in all these other movies, like she is so about herself. But like it does feel like she did come. She she came here because her job told her to. But she knew Dewey would be here, and like that is the number one reason. And like you feel her love for him, which makes everything that happened even more even more sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ben, you want to try to say something? Yeah, I was gonna say I once again. I'm just glad that they keep uh, evolving and moving on with or moving with the Dewey and Gale relationship. I was really happy to see because like Scream Two. It didn't work because like the whole the in Scream One, I thought she was just like trying to to mess with them so she get a good scoop. Scream Two, okay, they had a relationship, didn't work out, but then they rekindled the flame. Scream Three, same thing, had a relationship, didn't work out, rekindled the flame. Scream Four, yay, they're married. I'm so happy they actually had a happy ever after. When Dewey, when we first meet Dewey in his trailer, I'm like, Dewey, what happened? <laughs> yeah, my sweet oh, boy. Oh, the bit, what the bit where he's just, why aren't you in uniform? I retired. Since when? Since they asked me to. Oh! I mean, oh! They essentially tell you everything. I mean, I'm glad. This is one of those things where they tell me and not show me is actually okay. Because, of course, we're here because there's a killer on the loose and there's pe- and the people are dropping like flies. But I still want to know what happened between Dewey and Gale. And every single screen movie where they, where they, at the end of the movie, they get together and they separate in the beginning of the next one. They tell you what happened. They tell you why things didn't work out. And it's a very quick all <clears throat> all you need to know. And then they move on. And yeah. I and I, I knew that at this point David Arquette and Courtney Cox weren't together at this point. I didn't look any anything else past that. But seeing them on screen, seeing Gail or Courtney Cox play Gail, that she still loves Dewey, that she still cares about him, and David Arquette the same way. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Because I feel like with a lot of Hollywood relationships where they meet on set, they get together, then they divorce X amount of time later, there's nothing but animosity there. So you get really nervous that, oh, we need these two characters, but the actors hate each other. They can't be on set together. Is there going to be a fight? Can we, you have to have like a mediator on set to make sure that everything is okay and they can do their jobs. Yeah. But just hearing that story where they're like, oh, they're still friends. I mean, they're not married anymore, but they still have a love and respect for each other to an extent. It's like, oh, that, that that just makes Dewey's death all the more painful. Right. Now, I want yeah. to talk about Dewey though, like just in the beginning, because like I, I Dewey's my favorite character of the franchise, and one of the things that I really like in recent years is what I maybe wrongly call the Last Jedi effect, which is the the second time this movie has come up, but like, uh, which is that kind of like this kind of grizzled hero kind of down on his luck, not really where he, we remember him being. And I think Willow recently did it, which I, I really, I really enjoy the TV series Willow with Warwick Davis. Um, and now, and now Dewey is kind of in that same space. And I really, I really respond well to that sto- to that storyline, to that kind of trope that's been that's that's evolved over the years. And I really appreciate that, that what they do with here is that it's not necessarily that Dewey has rejected the world around him. It's just that he has other priorities now. He doesn't want to deal with Woodsboro with the with the killers of Woodsboro anymore. He's like, look, I did that four times. I got stabbed twice. I don't. I've got so many stab marks here. And like, he doesn't. He he'll gladly give like. Yeah, I'll tell you that it's your boyfriend, but I'm not going to help you. And and but the, because he is such a good person, 
And it's the phone call with Sid that really unlocks it because I, you know, he probably would have gotten there eventually, but it's the phone call with Sid that really like triggers Stewie to be like, no, I can't, these kids need me. I can't do this without, but he's still goofy Dewey because when he's in the, he's, and he's in the room he's just like, maybe you're the killer. Cause that hurt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good line. You're jumping to a lot of things I definitely want to touch on. So yeah. first one I'll jump to is that when Dewey, what I love is that Dewey's theme kicks in when he shows up at the Meeks house yes. and is ready to like, he he's there cause he wants to help. He's cleaned up and he's ready. He wants to help. And I, it's really nice because also this is the first screen movie, not composed by um, Marco Beltrami, but instead by uh, Brian Tyler and Brian Tyler came in and brought a lot of those old themes back where they were appropriate. Um, you, most notably Dewey's theme here. And you'll hear the classic like Sydney's theme, uh, when she's uh, first going through Stu's house uh, later in the film. They bring back the opera, the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Um, and I really like it. I think Brian Tyler makes a really great score here. I agree. Uh, really, really like it. Um, so I was really happy that Dewey's theme came back. Notably, uh, I want to jump back. There are two deleted scenes related to Dewey that one of them I kind of wish was in the movie, but it's not in the movie because of the other one. And the the one that I wish was in the movie is that Judy actually, once the first attack happens after that she talks to dewey and she says i want you to help me with this because you have experience and dewey says no um and so it's that dewey dewey refused judy on helping this before he even refuses the kids yeah yeah and then refuses the kids and then it's the sick call it just makes it like an extra level of like how removed dewey wanted to be from this situation um and that but but the reason that that scene's not in there is because the reason judy's talking to him at first is because she has to bring him in because he got into a bar fight instead of um chad he uh gets into a bar fight with Stu's nephew when they're getting hassled by him in the scene dewey steps up and and gets into a hassle and it's actually a nice moment between the twins and dewey Hmm. for him standing up for them but he gets because they have an altercation right before that kid gets killed. Uh, that's the reason Judy brings him in to talk to him initially and then talks to him about helping. And because they decide that that bar scene doesn't work. And I agree. I don't think Dewey needed to be there for it. That's why the other scene doesn't happen. But I'm like, Oh man, I kind of wish we had the Judy talking to Dewey about this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then now in the scene you're talking about, Brandon, that is also one of my favorite lines, which is where Wes is like, well, I think these are the reasons why you'd be the killer Dewey. And he's like, well, maybe you're the killer. Cause that, Cut deep. (laughs) (laughs) So sad. Poor Dewey. That's a really good moment. Uh, Poor Dewey. I really like the Randy Meeks memorial, which has like a picture of him and everything. (laughs) And then the stab box set is just sitting as part of that because it's they're like, weird, well, Randy would want that. They're a weird family. Like, I get it. They understood what Randy loved and Randy loved horror movies. It's yeah, like yeah. he's immortalized in film. It's kind yeah. of perfectly, apparently. Yeah. And they're like, even what, I think it was uh, a Chad who mentions like, you're going to watch a movie where our uncle gets killed. And she's like, she doesn't die in this one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love, like we talked about her briefly, but like Mindy's like monologue about, about requels and like the rules and like everything. Mm-hmm. Like, like that is so, that is wow you really are related to randy like like you might as well be his son the way you're just like spouting off everything he would say 25 years later uh really great totally makes sense with you know legacy sequels all that stuff uh just again like really smart um i i wonder this is this is this is not gonna Wes craven would have been really really old if he made this movie right and i'm curious if having a modern Having modern, you know, considerably younger writers and and directors helped helped elevate this 
idea more than potentially it could have been with an older director. That's a really uh, good that's not point. That's not bad. But I look at what Scream 4 was, even at that time, and I'm wondering, would an 80-year-old man would have been able to deliver this exact type of thing? And I'm curious. I think that's uh, a re- that's a really uh, good point because there's a there's a level of dialogue that I noticed in this in this film even the first time that like this feels really authentic to kids these days and we t- we've talked many times on this podcast about how comic book how older comic book writers lose touch with writing kid characters because they don't sound like kids anymore they just sound like an eighty year old man writing a child um, absolutely and I think that. I can't say whether or not Wes Wes Craven or or Kevin J Williamson would have would have been able to write these kids authentically. I can't say that because they didn't. Uh, they didn't. They yeah. didn't write this movie. But I do think probably it helped that these were younger people, a lot closer to the generation that they're writing about, um, and and it helps them feel a lot more authentic. And maybe that really helped the movie. Yeah, I do think, and especially because it is a legacy thing, like it helps to have people who grew up like making the legacy movie. Yeah. I think that's actually really important. Again, like no matter how you feel about it, I think like a force awakens type of thing, like is important. Like that's the movie that needed to come out at that time. And I feel very much the same way kind of about like about five cream. Like, man, this is, this is like perfect. The, like the time it came out with the directors that it came out, like this was like the perfect, the perfect little cake. I yeah. It. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, um um, more, more, more murders happen in this movie. Uh, I did want to touch on, touch it. uh, just, I really appreciate Tatum's, ashes yeah on dewey's mantle yeah mm. i thought that was a nice it would do his just touch yeah dewey's yeah. sister um hasn't really been acknowledged that the imprint that left on dewey since scream 2 uh so that was nice yep. um yeah i was trying to look it up because i realized i should have tried to look for this before we recorded but randy i can't remember randy mentions who plays him and he's disappointed in it in stab yes and i'm kind of bummed that it's not that person when we see randy in the stab movie oh it was like um, it was like an actor because it is like an actor we would know yeah. and like it's not it's not him it's just some, well, somebody else uh, i was thinking about that because that's the first time we've seen this scene from stab one we, yeah, yeah, and I was like, ah, it's a bummer. It because is surprising. He definitely, he definitely mentions it in Scream Two yeah. that he's upset because like, uh, uh, David Schwimmer plays Dewey. Yes, and yeah. he's like, <laughs> and then I got somebody else, and I forget who. But I'm oh curious. Well. I'm sure the guy who was in in that stab movie is probably some like friend actor of theirs. But like, yeah. it is interesting that like we've had Heather Graham and like Luke Wilson, like Tori Spelling, Tori, like we didn't get some type of like minor celebrity in that role for this movie. Yeah. Like, it is kind of like. Like almost like a missed opportunity, but you know it doesn't. Um, I do actually really like that we see that scene from Stab One. I kind of agree with you, Sparks. Like it, it does suck that this is the first time that scene has been seen, which means it's the first time it's been filmed. Um, and so, like it, it, it does kind of. It's kind of a bummer, but I like seeing. I like that we didn't just see the same scenes from Stab One, like the opening or the the stuff with Luke Wilson. We see a new scene from Stab One, and it creates a really nice parallel between what's actually happening to Mindy and what she's seeing on the screen, and it creates a funny, yeah, seen- a funny moment. She's sitting in the same goddamn room. The same scene. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's good because she realizes oh, yeah, she's about she's to saying get it, cut. Turn around, Randy. Wait Jesus. a minute. Yeah, wait. I feel something yeah, yeah. in the air. Um, okay, let's talk uh, about Dewey's death. Bom, bom, bom. Well, yeah, before we do that real quick, I want to just say all the kills in this movie are great. All the kills in the movie are great. Um, Dewey's death is earned. I have a problem with it. And it's that for me, it commits a cardinal sin of the screen films. And like, I, I really looked at it and I looked at some other scenes last night to see like, I, do I really feel like this? And I'm yes. Uh, Amber could not have possibly killed Dewey. 
just couldn't have. And I know that that's what has to have happened, but it's not possible. She's physically not tall enough to be the ghost face in that scene. But I know that she has to be. But it's my one problem is that I'm like, I am convinced of every killer being the person who's behind the killing in all the other kills in the Scream franchise. You just can't convince me that Amber killed Dewey. So, I, again, this is this is a thing where, like, one one line or one showing of her wearing, like, two-foot boots to make her tall because that is a, like, extremely short Jenna so, Ortega-style lady. David Arquette <laughs> is tall, and so is Jack Quaid. Yeah. And when he's helping do, uh, Richie along after Richie's been hurt, they are the same height. And then Ghostface comes in and is also the same height. And Amber is down to Jack Quaid. She's like, like five foot one. And I'm like, nope, sorry. Yeah, no, she's tiny. Amber did not kill Dewey. I mean, I get it, but no. Ben? That's no, that, I, I that, was going to say that. Uh, to accept it. Yeah. I was going to say Amber is way too tiny. She's there. Was, I, I agree. But at the same time, one of my favorite shots in this movie that also got me because I had a feeling Dewey was going to die in this movie. The second he comes on screen, it's like, oh no, Dewey's going to bite it, isn't he? Because we know Courtney Cox is going to live thanks to the trailer for Scream 6 or Screeby. Well, you but, knew that. You yeah, knew, I, that. I knew well, that. We did it when we first watched this. Yeah, I knew I knew that. Um, but just watching Dewey die at the hands of Ghostface and Ghostface say it's an honor and this that imposing shot of Ghostface just like looking down at Dewey's body because this one that's like this is the one who got him almost every other Ghostface tried and failed this is the one that got him I mean I I, I agree it shouldn't be Amber but still it's like it's a very to me it's a very powerful shot on how Dewey has survived so many times but his number unfortunately came up. Yeah, I think it's a really important yesterday the, comment. Yeah. Yesterday is a good is a good comment. Um, I I I think it's really important for a um for a legacy sequel to kill a legacy character, um, especially in 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 yeah. such a long running franchise like this. And like at this point, we've talked to death. He can't kill Sidney Prescott. It's it, it would be quite frankly unfair. No. Um, and but Ledewey is the perfect person to kill. Um especially this Dewey, who the, the, the Dewey they framed, they built a story arc around him that has to end with his death. Um, and I think it's very well executed and I think it's very well done. Um, and while I was really upset that my favorite killer finally bit the bullet, um, my, my, my favorite character finally kicked the bullet. I'm really happy with it. And I think it's, a, and I think it's exceptionally well done and exceptionally brutal. The, the stab through the chest and then the stab in the back in the same, in the same wound area. Uh, and then just go up. Excellent. Excellent mm-hmm. kill. I, I just, and the it's so good. Spill out like, no coming back from this one, do we? Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, because they, they make it clear, like, like I think, I think- the, Real quickly, Sparks, just real quickly. They make it very clear because Dewey has, has survived stabbings before. He won't survive this one. Right. Um, real quick, uh, I'll just acknowledge real quick because I don't know that he's aware. Brandon, you are on a little bit of a delay, I think. Um, but that's okay because we're working around it. Uh, and so um, what I 
I acknowledge all that. I think it's all really great. I wish there were any way that it could have been Richie being the killer for that scene, because then it would be like, this makes complete perfect sense. But the problem that I see with that is that's also the scene that convinced me Richie might not be the killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like it has to be there to do that uh, because up to that, he feels very suspect and it does throw me off when he's in that scene. So it's like, uh, uh, yeah, I guess that's more important, but it is very much like when Amber was revealed, I remember, and I, I can't let go of it. That it's I'm just, like, it's like, you just, you just couldn't have, you just physically it's just a problem when like, you see a ghost face killer and he's like six foot tall. And then the next second you see Amber and she's five foot two. It's just like, give her boots. Just give her boots. That's all you had to do for me. Just give yeah. her boots. She's, yeah. she's, she's so small. Y'all. It would have it made, it would have honestly added stuff because like they thought about it so that like you really wouldn't look at Amber because yeah, Amber's exactly. short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love, I really like Amber as she is just pure psycho. I think her performance is awesome. Uh, uh, it was so good. It drove Brandon off the call. Uh, he's having some internet issues, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. And it's not honestly like that big of a deal for me, but it is just a thing of like, you were you were so on top of everything else. Like her losing a foot every time she takes that mask off is like, it's noticeable. Right. It's just very, very noticeable. Yes. Uh, but again, it's like, it's still a great movie. Like I just yeah, wish, yeah. I just wish like that could have been one little like she takes her boots off and she shrinks a foot. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been funny. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very damning only because like in that sequence, again, you have like Richie next to Dewey and they're both tall and then Ghostface is also that height. And you're like, okay. And yeah. then they're like, Amber did it. And I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah. did she? <laughs> okay. Uh, Brandon's back. And uh, with Brandon back, I definitely want to uh, acknowledge another point about Dewey's thing um, oh, that I really like. And uh, one of my favorite things about the Dewey thing is one of the reasons he goes back is because he says, uh, you got to get him in the head. If you don't get him in the head, it's not done, which is great because that's a lesson Dewey had to learn more than once in the previous <laughs> Scream film. So I'm really glad that that's something they circle back to. Yeah. Uh, and that that was the thing. Like he's going back and it's like, it doesn't matter, Dewey. And he's like, it does to me. Uh, it does to me. It's really good. It's really good. It's it's a good send off moment to the character. If only he didn't take, if you only just like, would have just like, not had to get all the way up very close to shoot him from a distance. And, from a distance. and also importantly, like Sydney coming back, especially with that call, it like, it didn't make sense. Why would Sydney put herself in that situation if she didn't have to killing Dewey as the thing that makes her come back makes 1000% sense. That is the only thing that could get Sydney to come. Yeah. And I, I do want to say, um, hopefully I'm not a delay anymore, but um, him walking out of the elevator and towards Ghostface and, clicking out the bullets and then putting in the the reload is a really excellent uh, uh, scene. I really like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cowboy. He goes out very cowboy. I, I yeah. like it a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think Courtney Cox does a really great job in not just like the immediate aftermath, but the rest of the film carrying the weight of having lost Dewey. Yeah. I think that's very good. And, and there in her performance. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about Sydney. I love Nev Campbell. I'm glad she's here. I think she's here in the appropriate amount of this movie Yeah, because she doesn't steal anyone's thunder. No, it's nope. nice to have her here. It feels like it is bringing something full circle to a sense, but this movie is not hers. Her arc is done and she's just kind of here to clean up the pieces because her friend was killed. And I think that really, really works. She's, she's like a badass in this one. Like she comes in and like, yo, I've done this for 20 years. <laughs> I'm just going like, I don't care if you're the killer or not. You come out of hiding or I'm shooting the door. She's just <laughs> shooting every single door. Yeah. And I'm like, Let's hope no one's behind there. So uh, and she actually, she actually shoots the killer, which is so it's brilliant. Because uh, because she she hangs up right before she shoots the she shoots the gun. Body. 
So yeah. good. Uh, hearing, he, yeah, like definitely knowing that that's Jack Quaid's Richie and he's hiding and he's doing the ha ha got you this time, Sydney. Are you ready? This isn't gonna he's be like a, the other time. She's like, I'm bored now. He's like, no, wait. And then she shoots and she gets him. And it's like, God, Richie, you suck. I, that's the thing. Is yeah. like, I, what I love about Richie is once Richie's revealed, he's so goddamn pathetic. Yeah. 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 Like the whole movie, like even uh, the scene where Dewey dies, I was convinced Richie wasn't the killer because I'm like, how? Because he was in Modesto, he was, he was up, a, he was somewhere else. There's no way he could have harmed, uh, he could have killed or attacked a Jenna Ortega. He could have attacked um, Terror, all these other things. It's like, yeah, it, it can't be him. It has to be Amber. And then when he stabs Sydney, it's like, oh, we did the boy, we did the, we did that reveal. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm trapped, I'm trapped. Psych. I love, I still, I absolutely love the Amber reveal where she just shoots Liv. She's like, welcome back, three. Love it. Love the, the crest, the, the, the zoom it's very, in. It's very much a, a new, with a, I'm really glad they didn't feel the need to repeat the line, but it has the same energy as Billy's. We all go a little mad sometimes. It's a, yeah. I'm not the killer. I know. Welcome to act three. Yeah. And then uh, you get. It's you get so Richie good. like, oh shit! Uh, yeah. Richie's really, really good with oh, that. Well, he, oh shit, it's Ghostface! Yes, that's a great yeah. line. <laughs> what? Because once once we get to the house, <clears throat> the the oh shit, it's Ghostface line is really funny because like at that point he's hit like it's mass drop. He's really he's become like it's kind of the same thing that like Emma Roberts is doing in 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 Scream Four, where like her acting got more wooden as the movie got on because she was because she was. Uh, uh, she was being going to be revealed as the killer, and so like the same thing happens here. Is like the oh shit, it's Ghostface line is so badly delivered because it's intentionally badly delivered because he's supposed to be badly reacting to something that, that he knew was going to happen. I, I I love that like both of these goobers, uh, uh, like they almost feel like wow, this plan is going really well. Like every time something happens, like man, this went super well. Oh, I did. You think you brought up plans going really well. I remember I, I, this was a personal experience and I was I, really curious, Ben, maybe you had this feeling. Um, you would remember it more, more immediately. When I first watched it in theaters and it got to the killer fighting Dewey thing, there was a part of me that thought maybe this isn't Dewey's death scene. Maybe we're taking out a killer now. Yeah. Which we also I, haven't I, done in a screen film. I was hoping that uh, I was like, are we actually going to unmask and kill one killer and then hunt down the second one? Because that cool. like you said, that's never happened in the screen movie before. And I was like, come on. I want to see who it is. I want to see. And then the phone rings and then the killer and then Amber just jumps up and, and stabs. I'm like, no, do we know? I got to yeah. say that like that would be if that ever happened, will be this. In my opinion, will be the screen movie that finally has three killers. And I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the three killer movie. It's going to be a theater troupe. I, mean, I promise you watch. I definitely I definitely feel like if enough screen movies get made, you're going to get to the point because they are fallible human characters where like one of them doesn't, their plan doesn't go well and they get caught midway through the film. And you as an audience know, all right, they got them all, but the characters have to wonder, was there just one for a period of time? Because now they don't know, especially if they kill the killer first Screamy. instead of revealing them. Screamy, answer our prayers. <laughs> Even if it's not this one, I'm, I'm convinced there will be another past Scream 6 at this point. And yeah. like, uh, as long at some point, I just, I think in the length of these films, you're going to get to the point where like one killer gets revealed early and you're like, okay, so there's one more killer or are there two more killers? Listen, Scream 9, it's going to be like the Truman Show and everybody in the town's the killer but one person. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's the future. Um, That's a lot of killing. That's a lot of killing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, really, really good. Love, 
love Richie's review. Oh, oh, uh, Ben, you caught that Sydney's married to Patrick Dempsey. Um, I had a feeling because I forgot what because I remember um, Patrick Dempsey's character being Kincaid. I never I forgot what his first name was. Yeah, but Mark. Um, yeah. But when they're talking about how's Mark, I'm like, that's Patrick Dempsey, right? I got yep. I hope it is. Yes. And then she, turns got out married, it is. she got married and had kids with Mark. Multiple kids. Look at that. Good for them. Yeah. And he can't get back Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> Which is great. What I love about that is because nothing in Scream 4 conflicts with that. Yeah. Just because they don't talk about Mark, it's Sydney wasn't living in Woodsboro. She was just there on the book tour. So it doesn't break any continuity for them to say that she was still with Mark since Scream 3, yeah. which I really, yeah. really like. I'm glad that they found the loophole to mm -hmm. add that into the continuity and didn't break it. And it gives her some happiness. Like, yeah, yeah she deserves it. Yeah, because she was, yeah, she was on her book tour. It could be that she was still dating Mark when, uh, when Scream 4 was going on. But yeah. she was still in L.A. being a cop. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to, I got a book tour to go. And then she, they're like, cool, honey, have fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, the finale happens. We got we got Amber Richie. Oh, they do a very good job with the camera. Like if you are paying attention, especially if you knew, like we'd all seen it once before, Ben. So watching it again, like oh, it is clearly Stu's house. Like they're hiding it well with some camera angles. But like if you are an eagle-eyed paying attention, oh, yeah. you are catching yeah. the small details I, of like I, this is Stu's goddamn house. We watched I, it. Oh, I am. I'm sorry, Ryan. I am actually yep. very mad at myself that I didn't catch it with Stu's house until they revealed that it was Stu's house. Well, that's so, that's what's so brilliant. So, real quickly, Ben, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt because the, the because the movie is so is so good at hiding it because you because it's all when we first see it, it's in the dark and we yeah. never see outside of it, and we only get a couple of locations. The biggest the the biggest kind of question mark is when they're in the living room and they're like, "Oh, wait a second, this kind of looks familiar." They um, show they show Randy in stab in the living room in the exact same orientation with the doorway and everything and then they cut to the living room that they're watching the movie on before they reveal Stu's house and it's like that's the same goddamn living room <laughs> and and so what's what i think is so brilliant is that like you ben when i first saw this movie i didn't catch that it was Stu's house and what's so brilliant about that is the film franchise up until this point has never gone back to that house and i think it's so i think it's great that they decided in this one well yeah it could be considered a little fan servicey um it's 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 done in a way where the reveal gives you chills because you're like, Oh shit, we're back. And because you have the same reaction that like Gail and, and um, Gail and Sydney have, we're like, Oh wait, where are we going? Importantly though, to your point, Brandon, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that they, they are still working with the knowledge again, that screen three occurred. So Sydney's character doesn't have to be as thrown by the location. Like it's not as traumatic triggering for her. Cause that already happened when she went to the set that yeah. very detailed recreated the house. So she's already had her moment of like, Oh God, I'm back here. So it doesn't phase her as much this time, which really works for her character for her to come in and be like, I'm not playing. <laughs> like there's still, the, there's still the theme. She's still a little like, this is the real place, but it doesn't have to, to like completely throw her off kilter yeah uh it's it's so fantastic because again sydney and gail have been through this for 20 years at this point <clears throat> when amber comes running out help me please they're both like this is bullshit that's a trap that's, that's a, a trap, trap. I, <laughs> I love that scene i absolutely love that amber comes out i've been stabbed i've been stabbed it's like what do you think mm, trap at this and she starts shooting yeah. i love, <laughs> that's a really I love amber too because she's like oh yay buying it whatever bang bang yeah. like yeah, um, I really, I really like that whole moment. Um, the the idea that like Sydney just comes in and is just like, I'm done. I've done this too many times. I'm just gonna go in shooting. 
bad, yeah. bad teenage acting here. I've seen it before. It's really, Just, it's a really, really well executed reveal of the house. I love the way that the camera pans out on Sam tilts as it's like, oh shit, we're here. Um, I also really love it as motivation that Amber reveals later as like, ever since they bought her family bought the house, she's been obsessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's like, that's a good foundation. Like that's yeah. a good foundation for where her obsession and sickness with this really began is because she lives in the same dang house. Yeah. And Amber being, you know, a teenager, uh, a child, um, terrible, sick thoughts. Right. And there's a, there's a thought in the world where like, if she never met Richie, maybe none of this would have been fulfilled, but because she met an adult man mm. who helped propagate these disgusting things that she believed in, like, Oh, we can, we, we have similar interests. Why don't we do something about this? Uh, he created a little monster, uh, that he, that he can, that he can help, uh, and sleep with and sleep with Ugh, him, her calling him babe. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> the the thing the thing that I love about about Richie and Amber as the killers um, is because it it's such a it's it, for me it's exactly the kind of scream movie the scream killers that I think should have been which is what if fans what if true fans were so fanatical that they decided to take matters into their own hands. I mean, it's like, it's what if Star Wars fans were this bad? What if, what if Terminator fans were this bad? What if Halloween fans were this bad? Like we see it all the time in internet discourse of, of these kind of like incel fans taking things too far. Well, what if they took things this far? And it's not really that far of a stretch to think about it. So, and it's like, it's such a brilliant move to do, in my opinion, because I, I like love, yeah. with my own with my own like opinions on on fandom, oftentimes being so negative, being like because they use the they don't care about the true fans. We're the true fans of Stab. I'm like, yeah, you are. You, yeah. you you're a psychopath. Yeah, this is these guys really were like the perfect killers yeah. uh, uh, for 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 our time and for this movie. Like them being like they don't understand the franchise like we do. Yes. Like it's so funny. Oh, the it, the best line. It's like, and they say fandom is toxic. Give me a break. We yeah. love we love it too much for it to be toxic. Like, bro, you're killing people. For it. It's the fans' churn. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think what's so fascinating about their motivation is like you know all the previous ones have wanted to be like come out on top in some way. Um, and they're not really about that. It's like, not about they'll survive, it's not about them. but they don't care about that. They care about the movie that will be adapted out of these events. Yeah, that's yeah. all they care about. They don't actually even care about these events themselves. They just want the movie version of these events. Yeah, uh, that they think will be perfect because that's how they got to write it themselves. And I'm like, that's so they don't. Twisted. They they don't they what we talk about like oh we don't want our favorite franchise to <clears> end on a sour note. Like, all right, cool. We'll just, we'll kill a bunch of people to make them make a new one that'll be good. Like, wow, that is really smart. And the idea of like bringing back Billy Loomis's daughter as the killer, like that's what they're like. You know, Stab doesn't, Stab doesn't have a Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees, but we can create that with Billy Loomis's daughter coming back to to be these villains. Like they, they don't want to be the main characters of this movie. They want to frame the movie and create, I mean, they say that we're making our own Stab 8 or they're making their own Stab 8 because they, they, they felt betrayed. They felt so betrayed by the eighth stab film that they just took matters into their own hands. And it is such a such a brilliant move. You always go back to the original, which is which is what legacy sequels always do. And like, again, if this were a different franchise, randomly introducing the first killer's illegitimate daughter who sees his who sees a ghost of him would be nonsense. But it's a scream. And like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's how everything makes sense. Everything's always connected like this. Uh, I also do want to point out real quick, like the stab eight stuff with the flamethrower and stuff. I do think it's making a comment on like 
horror movies and stuff in the general. TV show that too I also think it's taking a little bit of a whack at the last season of the TV show yeah. where yeah. things like got a little out of hand um did he have and, a weird mask or is that the first no season? no no the, the the first two seasons have a weird mask and I think the first two seasons are good up to a the first season's good the second season is good up to a point and then they reveal who the killer is and it makes no goddamn sense and then the third one they bring back Ghostface the mask they but they don't establish it in the continuity of the sad films or anything mm. it's it, they make a whole new thing but it is the original mask and they bring back roger l jackson as the voice that's cool yes it was except that then they kind of do nothing good with it it all just kind of meanders and then they end up like really bastardizing a lot of stuff it's it's a real shame it's a bummer that i have to say that that season sucks because kiki palmer's in that season and, yeah and that season sucks yeah um but I do think it's also a little bit of a jab of like, yeah, we kind of let Scream get a little away from us. MTV Scream. Well, what's so um, funny to me is that like Stab 5 has time travel, but Stab 8 was the one that crossed the line. Yeah. That's there funny. it is. That is, that is funny. <laughs> that yeah. is pretty funny, right? Um, Ooh, what, because they're always talking about real, real quick, like how like like uh, a Scream 3 is talking about Stab 3. Is Scream 5 technically dealing with time travel because Billy Loomis is in this movie? They did it. But you, well, know, but, you know, but you know what I mean. No, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not actual time travel. Sure, sure. They I, I, I hear you. Um, it's funny because like we're talking about the the like the anger about the flamethrower being brought in that they expressed and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, look at the damn Scream Six trailer reaction where we've had like Scream fans being like, he's using a shotgun. One million percent. <laughs> what? Every movie has guns. One million percent. But like, I mean, and they even like pointedly like bring out like Star Wars fans because they say like, you know, the Knives Out guy directed Stab 8. And it's like they're pointing at them being like, this is kind of what you guys are doing. And then for the trailer for Scream 6 to have, six to have the the controversies, the ridiculous controversy around Ghostface using a shotgun is basically them being like, see, we were right. Yeah, they're they're. I feel like they're kind of poking the bear at everybody. I think so, too. And that's what I like about it, because it's not it's not. I mentioned in the beginning, it's like, you know, I, I do think there's an accidental kind of the last Jedi, uh, kind of a last Jedi apology in this movie. But it, it is really just like it is just pointing at toxic fandom in a way and taking it to the extreme of like fandom. Fandom has kind of gotten to this point where where where. They, because they say they met on message boards, like that kind of message board fandom, those keyboard warriors, those incel fandoms that we see being radicalized by the by the right that we're seeing in real life. What if they were stab villains? And it's such a brilliant idea because you're right, Sparks. It is taking a jab at everyone because we're seeing that type of fandom in every fa aspect of fandom. Doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter if it's just Star Wars, Star Trek, Terminator, whatever. It's everywhere now. And so it's yeah. just kind of like, well, here's the stab fandom doing it now. Yeah. Uh, to to that point, I think that this film does a really good job acknowledging like the current horror pop culture. But again, I feel like it's going after just the film pop culture in general. Yeah. Um, correctly so. And I will say, I think it does it the best since the original. I think it is the most good, like even putting them in their context. I think that this one is the most like capturing what it was doing at poking at what is going on and being the movie that it is as much as the original was. Yeah. Um, and I think they do a really good job of that. Yeah. Richie's great. I love how pathetic he's revealed to be. He's so the worst white male piece of shit ever. I love um, that his final, he has one last <laughs> thing to say before he dies. And he's like, what about my movie? Yeah, what about my ending? <laughs> Bro, get shot in the face. <laughs> By the way, uh, uh, Tara, uh, Sam Tara, does the- Tara and Sam. Yeah, Sam does the Billy Bro, Loomis. I. <laughs> I and your mom both went, ooh, when that happened, because it's so sick. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. It is pretty good. 
I don't know why I love yeah. it. Uh, I, I really love the finale. I love that they, uh, uh, it's time to pass the torch. Enjoy your torch. With a <laughs> yeah. torch and, and of course and she for, comes back and she starts screaming. And then, uh, and then Tara oh, shoots her. She oh, goes, I still prefer the Babadook. It's so uh, good. Tara, uh, Amber being burned is a really good because it's like time to pass the torch and then she 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 turns on the flame so good because she gets hit with a bottle of vodka and it's like oh that's look at that set of payoff baby oh mm-hmm. uh, a note I did want to give about Richie is that um what I also love Ben if you do a rewatch of this one at some point and you know Richie's the killer you'll notice that every single time that someone suggests that Richie could potentially be the killer Richie immediately like finds the moment where they've suggested something and he's like well you're the killer you're the killer because you said that like richie's defense is always well that sounds like something the killer would say and like that's always what he goes to he does that three or four times in the movie Mm. um and it's really funny to me because like he's so bad at this that he couldn't think of a better defense ever if he was ever pointed at he was like uh well you're the killer despite being the younger the younger person amber seems to be like she's more on more on top of it it seems she also seems like just well, they're both fully unhinged, but she's well, like, she's got that young unhingedness. Well, so it's, so, I mean, like, uh, Richie has this moment where he says, like, you should have listened to Dewey because he got in one. He got in one. He nailed it. Look at the boyfriend. And he, right. and he looks at, and he looks at, uh, at, at, at Tara, Sam, shit. Uh, and he looks at Sam. Um, and he's got this thing that, that, and he got this moment where he talks about how, like, um, uh, it wasn't easy. It, it was easy to get with you and sleep with you. And he looks at that like that because like this whole thing is he's actually been an incel in 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 disguise. And Jesus, guys, remember She-Hulk? Uh, remember the same scene happened in She-Hulk? Uh, like incredible. Like it, it's it, the the I I there's just such a great reveal of, of of being like of what that kind of person is a really great representation of what that kind of person sees that how they see themselves, how they kind of see themselves as like morally superior, but really, in fact, they're, they're incredibly uh, ridiculous and, 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 and the lowest of the low, which goes back to Richie, whenever he's confronted by anyone constantly points fingers at other people. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's so pathetic that when he's dying, he's just like, what about my ending? By the way, Again, going back to kind of rewatching whodunits, whenever Richie is is whenever someone calls Richie or sees Richie doing something, he's always watching something about stab. Yeah. Not for research, which he plays off as because he's a stab fanatic. Right. Love it. Um real quick, I've got two last notes here before we head into final thoughts. Um uh I love Judy's line. I prefer animated films and musicals yeah i'm like of course you do judy of course you do (laughs) well done judy (laughs) and also i really love the reveal that um sam untied tara that she she wasn't convinced by him that's and that's that's the thing that really undoes them is that she she believed in her because up till that point i again like my first time seeing it i wasn't I was not convinced that Tara was not a killer. Because again, mm-hmm. she got stabbed a lot, but also all these killers love to stab themselves to make it look like they got hurt, right? So like that that closet scene where Tara's like, are you going to untie me? What's happening right now? I'm like, yo, this is, I don't know what's about to happen. It's, so the, it was really good. I will say the only reason, and it, it'll be true going forward of all screen films that I wasn't convinced it was Tara is because Scream films have never done the thing where they've like lied to the audience by showing you the killer pretend to get hurt mm. as though they were a victim gotcha. when it's not for anyone else's benefit. Like, yes, we've seen Jill beat herself up, but we knew she was the killer yes. and why she was doing it. They've never like put on airs oh, sure, for sure. no one except you as an audience to fake you out. To fake you and out. And I don't sure. think they would. That's so that was point. the reason why I was like, that'd be really weird. 
if they dedicated that long of a scene to Tara being the killer. Sure. But yeah, I, yeah. I get why you thought that, but I was just saying like, that's that's something that I'm really glad the screen franchise Yeah, because like, I'm looking at the motivations for everyone <clears> and like, Tara could have had motivations like, oh, you abandoned me and like what you did to my family. So like, there's motivations mm -hmm. for everyone, but like, I, I do agree with you about yeah, that. I'm, yeah. A lot of times when, when someone gets like really hurt, like Tara got hurt, I knew she wasn't going to be the killer. It was yeah. a good misdirect from Richie, I have to say. But at the same time, it's like, but how could she? We saw her. She can't even walk. She got her leg broken. Yeah. Her hand was, we saw her bloody hand as she's going through the wheelchair. There's no way in hell she could be the killer. But it is a decent misdirect. And I can't believe I did not um, automatically assume it was Richie when he, when he tried to point the finger over at Tara. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, you sure it is, that, that is one of his most damning moments yeah but that that's yeah. again that's me going like and that's not me thinking jack could be the killer because i've watched him in the boys and there's no way my sweet baby boy can be a killer <laughs> yeah. no. that's what the movie knows about you about the audience like oh we know you love jack quaid that's why he is the killer right i mean I, that's why he has the line that's why he has the line i know it's a bummer yeah. it's me the yeah. second he comes he shows up i'm like oh it's my baby boy from the boys yay <laughs> And one last thing, uh, I do really like, especially when you know later that he's a huge Sam fanatic, uh, that the him and Mindy exchange where he's like going to the basement with me and she's like, no, but you're right for asking. He's like, okay, I'll be right back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ruby's really funny. Uh, let's go into final thoughts on Five Cream. Um, all right. Uh, Benjamino. Yo. What, what, give it your final thoughts and rating. Oh, man. Solid, solid entry in the Scream franchise. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about it. Um, I mean, we'll get into the screen to our rankings of the films later, but this is definitely one of the top, one of the more top films for me. It, it can jump up and down depending on how I feel, but yeah, I, I had an absolute blast with this one. I would still give this like a eight point a solid 8.5. Very enjoyable. I love all the characters. I love all the actors. I love how, it brings people like it brought Sydney back. It brought Gail back, but it wasn't their movie. They were, uh, I don't know if ancillary characters is the right term for it, support. but support yeah, they were supporting. They were more support because they did pass the torch on to a new group of kids, a new cast. But the fact that they were still there helping out the, the younger kids, it's like, we've been through this shit four times. Now we know what the F we're doing. Yeah. And also, I just love the scene when, I'm, like, when they walk up and they see Amber come out, and they're like, "What do you think?" And Courtney Cox just goes, "It's a trap." This yeah, yeah. Is, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you you see right through that bullshit. You go Ooh, real quick before you give your final thought. Uh, more on Amber, I I just love that. Like multiple times in the ending, she's like, "No, this isn't my fault. I was just, I was, he took advantage of me." And then she's like, "Ah, oh, if this," and tries to attack him again. I'm like, "Girl, you just." Anything to get out of this. You're so she spicy. Tries, she tries to, she's like, oh, I was radicalized. Oh, fine. I was just I was like, radicalized. That that's so good. It's like a bitch. Shut the f up. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so only 8.5. Fantastic. I had now that I have seen all the screen films, I'm like, man, I should have saw these sooner. These are it's actually okay. really good. They're fun. I'm you're hey, here now. I'm happy you're here, and I'm happy you get to go see one in theaters now. So that's what's super yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually now very excited for Scream Six. Scream, scream movies in theaters are a great experience. I, I, I genuinely am sad that I was not a person who could have seen the first three in theaters. Babies. We were babies. I, I, I cannot wait for him to watch Evil Dead now. Oh, um, yeah. It's going to be a great time. 
All right. Uh, we are going to put we're going to put Ben through so many film franchises this year. It's going to be a great time. So stay tuned for all of those. But my final thoughts, I just have two things I want to mention. We didn't mention Dread It uh, instead of Reddit. Let's mention oh. this movie. I thought sure. that was fun. Um, and um, uh, I really enjoy that. the I, I do really like the uh, Wes um, tribute the kind yeah, of like having that having that that west party and and uh the at the end for west you know very very clever way to do to incorporate west craven uh, someone that. someone else mentioned it but um uh like that i was listening to but when they when sydney enters Stu's house um there's a hat rack area on the wall next to it and um wes's hat west craven's hat that he was known to wear is on the on the rack oh, that's, that's cool it. Uh, this film is rever- is so reverential of Wes Craven and and um, Scream, and it it shows in every in every frame of it. It it it's a brilliant movie. It's a brilliant Scream movie. Um, I've already spoiled my top ranking. It's the, the, I I believe it's my favorite one in the franchise. I give it a ten out of ten. I think it's wonderful. Again, this is this is one of the better horror <clears throat> franchises when your worst one is still pretty good. Um, I give it a nine. I think it's fantastic. I I am so thrilled we got to do this. I, I we probably would have rewatched them anyway for the new one, but like I'm glad we all got to do it together. It's been really fun. Mm-hmm. It really is hard to not stress enough that that this just doesn't happen in general in films franchises that usually go for this long a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily as many entries. Like there will be more entries, but like as long a period of time, like over 26 years, and that you get solid entries throughout yeah um especially getting to a fifth one this many years after the original and it's still being this good um especially especially in horror films um so it really stands apart it really stands out and i'm so glad it's this franchise that is this good i i'm i love this franchise i love these characters so i'm so glad it's this one it's a nine they did a great job for all the reasons we've talked about already it's nine love it it. all right All right, friends, so we're going to get into some rankings real quick. We're going to do two rankings. We're going to rank the movies real quick, and then we're going to rank the killers. Uh, What's your favorite for the For the films, we're just kind of going to give our rankings as a list, and we'll just discuss the differences if there are noticeable ones there, and then the killers will go one by one. All right, Ryan, you want to go first? Hell yeah, this is going to go from one best five to worst. Number one, it's Scream. Number two, it's Scream 2. Number three is Scream 5. Number four, Scream 4. Number five, Scream 3. Uh, I'll go next and say my list is exactly the same. It is Scream at the top, Scream 2, then Scream 5, then Scream 4, then Scream 3. Are we the same person? Uh, Mine's a lot different. Excellent. Hell yeah. Mine goes Scream 4 is number one. Damn, that's it. amazing, Ben. I love that. That's so a much. good movie. Yeah, yeah. My favorite Scream Four. <laughs> uh, Scream the original is number two. Scream Five is number three. But I was saying, uh, the first and five they can flip flop. They yeah, can flip flop a lot. Sure. I really enjoyed Scream Five. Uh, four Scream Two. I still think it's a solid film. I just it was one of those things. Was like I just gotta put it there because I like the other two a little a lot more. And number five is Scream Three. Sure, sure. Sorry, Roman. Let's see. I got. Five Cream, number one, yeah. top mm-hmm. one. I, I I adore this movie to bits. Uh, Scream, the first one, uh, number two. Yeah. Scream Four, Scriforum, uh, number three. Uh, then Scream Two, and not again. Those four, just solid movies throughout. Just like wonderful movies that I would gladly watch at any given time. Uh, and then um, a space, 
uh, blank space, and then no, I'm kidding. Uh, then Scream <laughs> Three, which is really, which is really the only one I don't like. Um, at, at the end of the day, so it like had to be down there. Yeah, I think I think you're the least hot on it, but I still, yeah. I still think you could agree. Like, not a bad movie, not a bad bad movie. No, um, not at all. It's just one that I don't particularly enjoy. Sure, sure. Uh, but like to to be on that level in this franchise is remarkable. I, I will say, and Ryan can speak to it too. I think that the reason why Scream and Scream Two are kind of untouchable in the top two spot for us is because like it's foundational to our youth and being exposed to horror. At least that's definitely what it is for me is I kind of can't separate scream from being the masterpiece. It is that I saw when I was younger and scream Two pretty soon after that, those two, they're kind of too baked into there. It's the same, like, you know, Oh, I can't really like people tell me some people will say that hook isn't a good movie. And I'm like, I don't know. I can't help you there, friend. Right. Like, yeah. Hook's incredible. Yeah. Like it, it, I saw scream and scream Two too young. It's too foundational. Like those kind of can't be moved from their spot, regardless of how good I think five cream is. I don't think scream and scream two can be removed from the top two. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I 90% agree. Um, I also just think like it is partially it is like I, I did grow up with the first two specifically. Yeah. But um, I just look at all the movies and I think like I can't love five cream as much because like it, without one and without the first two, like it doesn't it won't it doesn't have as much value because like those have to exist. Right. And I think those are just both like impeccable movies as well. Yeah. Um, And I just think. Yeah, I just I just prefer I also just prefer older movies to newer movies as well. Uh, it's just that's just that's me thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, like I I I if I had to had a gun to my head, a a, a scream six gun to my face, uh, I would probably watch like probably watch the original ones. But like again, yeah. this is like arguably like the best horror franchise after going through all of them. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, scream, scream was instrumental in like <clears throat> my transfer in youth from like liking spooky things but not liking horror movies sure, yeah. uh like i liked halloween i liked uh like halloween the holiday i liked uh the classic monster movies and that kind of thing but like really scary movies it's not that i hadn't been exposed to them i had because my dad had exposed me to them but i i wasn't really connecting with them seeing scream when i did which was pretty young yeah about eight or nine yeah. um but like it was the first thing that made me feel like oh this belongs to my generation. This is mine. This is horror for me. Um, and that changed my relationship with horror. So and Scream 2 was pretty close to that time period. So like, I feel very attached and possessive of those. Um, but a really great franchise overall. Ben, I love so much that Scream 4 is at your top. That's so yeah, cool. I, I love that movie. I had an absolute blast when I first saw it. I was like, man, this movie's great. I think we all, we all are just on the same page of like, you know, Scream 3 just, just regardless of if it's you know kind of the time it came out there there's again like you know that they really pulled back on the violence because of columbine all this kind of stuff we talked about in the previous episode talking about the screen franchises you should check out um <clears throat> it, it just it just ends up where it ends up it just it doesn't quite hit that like execution level that the rest of these did yeah um even as it is still not a terrible film and it's still you know what it has it is the worst movie still has my favorite character in the entire franchise and that's jennifer jolie baby that's true Park and, and, I will say, and i will say where it lands is it does land the closure of like sydney's arc of growth uh yeah. the, the the final stuff about her moving forward her getting her last like you know <clears throat> I'm done. I'm moving forward with my life. I'm not going to be beholden to the killers. Like as a arc for her, it does stick that landing. And I think that's the most important part of Scream 3, even though it stays at my bottom. Mm -hmm. The thing about the Scream franchise that I think that I think makes at least the obviously our top four 
you know, all even though they're in different orders, like they're all the same, all the same movie. Like the thing is, like these movies, they know exactly what they're about. <laughs> they know exactly what they need to be. They know exactly the characters that they're taught that they're doing. And and the first, the first three are are a really solid trilogy about Sydney. Like I, I I agree, Sparks. Like three is the the weakest, and obviously it's at the bottom. And I'm a lot colder on it than you guys are. But like still, like. It's a solid movie about Sydney's arc, and and it wraps it up really nicely. Scream Four is is um, I for some reason ranked it at two, at three and a half stars when I first watched it on Letterboxd, and I don't really know why because it's a solid movie. Um, and like I really I really liked it, and and still that movie was like we're not killing Sydney. This is Sydney. We're not at even at that point they were just like there's no point in killing Sydney in Sydney anymore. She is she's untouchable now, um, right. and and that. And the fact that they're always like, Sydney just needs to be Sydney Prescott, and she needs to be left alone. And even right. if we can find a way to bring her into the movie, which I'm really grateful that Scream Six isn't, um, you know, we're we're it, it never goes away from that. And I think that I think that what I'm trying to say is at the core, they know exactly what these movies are, and that really helped every single one of them succeed. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, friends. It's time to rank the killers. We're going to be ranking them individually. So this is out of the total at nine. We're going to start from the bottom and work our ways up. And the way this is going to work, if you listen to our top 15, it's going to be the same deal. Uh, We're going to go around and say a name. And only when everyone has said that killer will we talk about why we put them where we put them. Okay. I will kick things off. And I'm going to tell you that my number nine is 110% Charlie Walker from Scream 4. Nine is Charlie Walker. Hmm. Higher. All right. Uh, yeah, not by much, but yeah, higher. Okay, so then go ahead and give your number nines, guys. Um, uh, I'll go. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. We uh, have the same number nine, actually. Yeah, it's Roman. Okay. <laughs> okay, but higher for me. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll pick it up, and uh, so it's my turn. Number eight is, I hate to say it, it's Mickey Altieri. Sign. Uh, higher. Which one's that? Uh, Timothy, Timothy Olyphant. Two. Oh, that's my number eight too. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Okay, yeah. Ben. Uh, or what's are you, he's higher for you also? No, no, he's number eight. Okay, excellent. So, hi, what's your number eight? Uh, Roman. Roman. Okay. Um. So we still haven't hit Roman, and we still didn't hit Mickey. So for everybody, <laughs> I have a feeling the bottom like four are going to be different. Like, Hold, oh, see, so Charlie's higher for you guys? A little bit. He's not we're by not much. Bu- I'm, we're about to hit Charlie. <laughs> okay. 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 So my number seven is Roman. So now we've all done Roman. So okay. here's the thing. And I'll say it because it, I put him the highest of the three of us. Roman goes higher simply because like the execution might be sloppy and everything. But Roman, I think the intent of what Roman is, is a good idea. And I think that uh, his is one of the first like ones where we really get the Sydney being like, I'm fed up with this shit. Just shut up and really see the like... Um, kind of a uh, uh, toddler having a fit reaction in a killer because they're so upset that Sydney won't take them seriously. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about Roman is when like, he's, he's so proud to unveil his whole plan and how I've been behind everything. And Sydney couldn't give less of a shit. Yeah. Like it's just over it. And it pisses Roman off so much. It, it flusters him so much. It's one of the things that makes me, he, he just has a presence as a character in the franchise is more valuable to me. Uh, frankly, than the the lower two, um, especially Charlie for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so that's where I end up. You guys can say where, why Roman yeah. ended up where you. I don't disagree. I really don't. It's just that mm. I just don't think he's executed well. And that really hurts it for me. Um, I, I think that I think you're I think you're right. That is what his purpose is in the movie. And for the most part, it's well done. But it's just there's just something there that just doesn't work for me. And that that's honestly the only reason why he ended up so low for for but. me. Uh, uh, it's you had him at number eight. Yeah, I had him yeah. number eight. So like, I again, I I really like the idea too. But like, if you want to have your villain be like, I'm the mastermind and I've been a part of everything, it didn't feel like that. Yeah. Uh, watching the trilogy, it felt like you retcon. I mean, that's what two does too. So it's not a big deal. But like, the feel, the feel of it doesn't feel like it works naturally. So it's like this big reveal, and I'm like, I, I have to accept that all these things are true. I guess. Um. Uh. uh so yeah, he's not he's not the total bottom because Charlie has like literally nothing going on. Uh, uh, so yeah, he's sure. there. He's there. Ben. Uh, for me, it was yeah. The reason why Roman's at the bottom is just because I it wasn't really a shock factor, and also we don't see him throughout a whole a, a lot of the stuff that Ryan said. I agree with, and that's why I put um I put Roman number nine. He was just one of those guys that because a lot of the times when we go uh, where we're watching screen films, they're part of the action or they're part of or there's something going on. And then it's like, okay, yeah, this is. And then when the reveal happens, it's like, oh my god, it was you the whole time. Whereas Roman's like, oh, it was my reaction. Really, my reaction with Roman was like, oh, it was you, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I guess. Yeah, All and right. it's just if they if maybe if they had a scene like I talked about, with, I took I talked about on the on the episode, but like if maybe if they had a scene together between Sydney yeah. and Roman, that maybe would change a lot. But like it just it just doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I yeah. get it. Okay. Um, so we're we're clear of Roman. Uh what's your number seven, Ryan? My number seven is Amber. Ooh. Hmm. All right. Higher. Uh Higher. number seven, Ben. Uh no, my number seven is Charlie. Okay. And my number Brandon. seven is Charlie. Excellent. So now we can talk about Charlie. All right, guys. I respect your opinions to put Charlie as high <laughs> as you did. Respect it totally. Um Charlie is the the most dull to me of all the killers because he leaves absolutely zero impression. For me, Rory Culkin is just kind of in the movie and he has one good scene right before he's revealed to be the killer, which is when he's having the interaction. The Kirby with, scene. He's when he's having the interaction. That's like the Kirby. only scene. Of the but then level. after that, he's just he's just like there. They make jokes about other killers being like kind of imitations of Stu. Um, Timothy Oliphant's character or uh, even Amber to an extent. Um, uh, but like Charlie's the one who I'm like, this is just like discount stew. This has nothing else of merit to it to me. Um, now here's my other thing. I think that whoever the killer was going to be in that one to pair with Jill had to be that they had to just kind of be a, the nothing edition because it's about Jill. It's about Jill betraying them and screwing them over. But it does mean that like, I don't think Charlie has anything memorable about him as a character. Um, so I put him way at the bottom. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, no, he's no. he has one scene that I remember, and it's with Kirby before he's revealed to be the killer. And I think <clears> like it was that's the intent just right there. Uh, the reason why I put him a little bit higher because I do agree with everything you said. He is kind of dull and boring. It's like lame. Uh, the only reason why I put him a little bit higher is because his I thought his reveal was just like oh shit, and then the roller coaster that we go on when the the other killers reveal it, it was just like to me the the reveal of Charlie being a killer was such a good reveal to, to like, because you don't really, up, at the, up until that point, you see someone tied to a chair, they're innocent. They're not the killer. And then when he stabs Kirby, it's like, oh, shit, everything is now on its head. 
And really, it's just for that part. But, but I do agree. He kind of sucks most of the time. But it was that one moment where he does <clears throat> stab Kirby. It's like, okay, all bets are off. Who's the other one? It is a shocking reveal. It's a shocking reveal. Yeah. I'll grant you that for sure. That's honestly the only reason why he's nine for seven for me too. Sure. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a good reveal. Just the character. I'm like, take him or leave him. He's just kind of <laughs> he's he's so overshadowed. Like the other all the other killer pairings. Um. So not Roman, but the other killer pairings. They're all. They, I feel like they have a good yin and yang. Yes. And like he's so overshadowed by Jill. I'm like, why are you even here, bro? <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. I was about to. I was think, thinking is like, like with all the killer pairings minus Roman. It's like you have one who's just whoa, and the other you just go. Charlie's so, definitely one of the meh ones. hundred percent. Okay, who was your number eight again, guys? Just remind me. Uh, my my number eight is Mickey as well. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. Uh, cool. Okay. So so, so I'm picking up. Uh, that was seven. So we're going yeah. to number six. Uh, mine is Amber. Amber Freeman. Uh, me six. Too. Mi- Mickey. Six uh, is okay, Amber. So that's Mickey. So that's Mickey. We've all said Mickey. Uh, go ahead and say why Mickey goes above Amber for you. Yes. Uh, they're they're both kind of like just like weird wildcard people who who have great um, Frankenstein returns when you think they're dead. Uh, I love Mickey has my favorite again. <laughs> like that that gets him a point above someone else just for that alone. Sure. But I just really like Timothy Oliphant being like a goofy movie guy. He is like he's like the top of the bottom list for me because like the top four like I like all those guys a lot. Uh, then like the rest are like they're 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 okay to great to fine. Uh, yeah, like Amber and Mickey are kind of like around the same for me. I I put mickey at number eight i know you guys did too but i i put mickey there it's i love timothy oliphant it really just comes down to one thing he's not in the movie enough yeah i just i just frankly like when he's not i don't mean like his reveal as the killer is really good i love how he's performing in that scene Mm -hmm. he's just not in the rest of the film enough for me i wish he was in like one or two more scenes and then i would probably have him higher but he's just like he's forgotten at a certain point in the film and then he comes back as the killer i i agree with that uh i i also think his the relationship he has with the other killer, I like more than some of the other pairings. Sure. Like, I just think that's, and we'll get to I it. think it's a better version of Jill and Charlie. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I put, I put Mickey's number eight mostly because I thought he was overshadowed by the reveal of his partner. Sure. And, and also I agree, he wasn't in the movie mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. But I will, I do want to agree with Ryan when his, his turn come back from the death death scene is like the funniest bit. Cause he does look like a, like a, a Frankenstein. <laughs> It was so tough when I had to be like, for me, like, I just like the Roman story beat more than I like Mickey's presence in the movie. Yeah. And I think Amber's just more effective, a more effective and included version of Mickey. Um, Timothy Oliphant's fantastic. I wish I could put him higher. I love that movie. Yeah. I just I just think that he's just not utilized enough. Brandon, I, you're, you're, any other thoughts on this? That's why he's eight for me, honestly. You guys nailed it. Like that. He's just not in the movie enough. He, yeah. When he shows up the second time, the most recent time I watched it for this, I forgot he was even in the movie. By the time he shows up as the killer, I was like, oh, shit, right, Timothy Oliphant. I even forgot his he's also kind of forgettable i kind of i totally forgot his no, character but like name. that's but like that's true but also like i do kind of like his motivation which when he's just like i want to be on national tv you saw the oj simpson tri- trial I, like that's I pretty good like, i do i love that i do like that he's the killer who's like mickey is the guy who wants to get caught yeah i'm like okay yeah. cool mickey uh, i don't know that sounds a little dumb to me 
But, and he, he also but it sounded dumb to Mrs. Loomis, too. So He but. does a thing with, with Derek, the boyfriend, where he's like, we finally got her, Derek, right? Winky face, you're definitely in on it with ben, me. I love that. All uh, the killer's motivations are stupid. There's never a good motivation. It's just really they entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, wanna, I love it. Yeah. I want to asterisk my list that I did this on the fly when we first started recording. So like many of these people could change. But I think, you know, like outside of Ryan is uh, separate. He put Amber lower than the rest of us. But like the three, you three, we have them in different orders, but we have the same bottom three, which yeah. is Roman, Charlie and Mickey. Um, yeah. OK, so you said uh, who, your number six was Mickey. Yeah. Um, ben, number six. Amber. OK, cool. Yeah. And then uh, Amber. Brandon. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's Amber. We've all said Amber now. She's um, just a wild card. I love her. Yeah, I get yeah. I get why you have her and Mickey swapped. Yeah. Um, I think the perf the actor is better than the character is on paper. I think that's really like what puts Amber a little higher is I think she brings more to the table as a performer. Mm -hmm. On paper, I don't like Amber very much. I don't think she's got a lot of good uh script moments in the film. Um, I think they're she's overshadowed by other characters a lot. Um, but I think the actor does enough to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's really what put Amber up uh, to this number for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Like, I just think that like Amber. Hmm. Amber is a fun character because I really like what they're trying to do with the screen with screen five with five cream uh, of what these killers are. And I think that she has a good killer reveal. Um, the movie keeps you guessing whether or not she is the killer or not. Um, and I, I really like the ridiculousness that the, every time we see her calling from calling someone, it's just her phone. <laughs> she yeah, doesn't even maybe. try to hide it. One of my favorite, an example of what I'm talking about with the actor thing is like one of my favorite moments is there's this bit where like for no reason the camera is on her when like Richie's explaining something and she just goes, oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm like what is what is this? All right, psycho. And I'm like, I don't even think that was in the script, and I genuinely think that the actor's just trying to get as much out of the moment as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, so like the 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 gloating about killing of Dewey and the way like she'll try and turn things on a dime into her favor, whatever it takes. It does like for her her performance makes me like her more. Um, but like before her killer reveal, I'm just kind of like, Neh. I'll tell you another reason she's one lower than Mickey. Cause like, I don't believe you're killing some of those people. Sure. That's true. That's another part of it for sure. I just, that, that also makes me want to put her a little low for, for yeah. fairness. I, I feel like I had her pegged as a killer early on. I was like, or maybe not pegged. I was like, ha, it's you. It's more of like, I, I have a feeling it's, it's like, you know, one of those gut feelings that you think it's her. And it definitely also, um, I got like that feeling was um, validated in a bit, like when she's throwing a party for Wes after people are dying left and right. She's throwing this this huge party at her house, yeah. And she's just, and even this in the in this in the basement scene with Mindy, yeah. I was like, hmm, what's? I thought, oh, is she gonna die? So, but then she's like, she didn't die. I was like, huh, what's going on here? This is I thought interesting. They were gonna make out. Me too. <laughs> Me totally thought they were going to do that. Um, also, also, I just kind of like when she finally reveals herself to be the killer. I just like how she just goes completely unhinged. Sure. She like she just go like the whole time she was putting up an act of being like the stoic friend, like making sure Tara Tara has her inhaler and she's all this other friend. stuff. And then the second she, and then the second is she's like, the shit she, she just like decides to throw off the metaphorical mask. She just goes absolutely batshit. Right. 
again, and, like strong performance. I'm yeah. I'm really interested in what's going to happen from here because just as I said before, we all have the same bottom six to nine. Yeah. Uh, they're just in different orders. It's from here that I'm like, damn, this is going to get spicy. You, my, I have my, no idea. Uh, my top four on a different day probably could be interchanged, but sure. I, I love the top four. Yeah. So. Uh, my, my top five are solid as hell. Okay. Um, my number five is Mrs. Loomis. Mm, yeah. My number five is Richie. All right. Higher. My number, my number five is Richie as well. All right, Lewis is my, higher for me. My number five is Richie, Mrs. Lewis. Yeah, is, Mrs. the Lewis Richie is higher. Oh my gosh, I love this, guys! I'm so glad you guys put Mrs. Lewis higher. I love her. <laughs> um, I love her too. Uh, so we'll get into it. We're not there yet. Richie, then. Richie okay. is great. He's. I like, didn't say Richie yet. So oh, I'm so sorry. So, so sorry. Sorry. Okay, it's okay. Uh, my number four is Richie. So yeah. we can talk about Richie. Now. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Rich, uh, uh, Richie is. He was a hard one to put because. What he does his reveal, he's like, you were everything about toxic fandom, toxic masculinity that I absolutely hate. And but you were putting it to an extreme that when once again, once again, like the whole time, I do not suspect it's Richie. Um, Richie is definitely like the reason why Richie is just above Amber is Amber. I kind of felt like she was sus a suspect. Richie, not at all. Like he gets cut, he gets attacked. It's like for me, it's like a lot of times when people get attacked. I mean, I should have known from screen four if you get attacked, that doesn't mean you're not the killer. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just because I thought he was like when he's even in the car when he said, I'd never seen the stab movies. I'm like, oh, okay, so I kind of relate to that. I was like, oh, it's kind of like me, I never saw the screen films. Here I am watching them all, and uh, I'm the seen, killer. <laughs> I should have seen it coming from my way, but his whole rhetoric on like how the fans are need to take back. They have ruining the movies. It's like, this is our favorite thing. Yada, yada, yada. It definitely hit that. Uh, Cause a lot of discourse online were with these franchises coming up. A lot of the, the true fans air quote, especially with star Wars, how they saying claim that, Oh, that these people are ruining our childhoods. They're ruining the thing I love. And it's like, this is all I have. And how dare they, it, kind of puts to light on how some crazy fans out there may do this IRL. Thankfully, as far as I know, nothing like that has happened. Hopefully it will never happen. But with the stab movies, especially when he reveals himself to be just an absolute crazed fanatic of these films, it's like, it, it, it's a little terrifying. And that's one of the reasons why I put Richie above Amber. Amber is just like, I feel like Amber is just there. But with Richie, it's like, elevates it's like i love like i love these films so much that i they have to be perfect and the fans just need to take control of it i think richie is just a more fun villain than amber is uh which is why i put her put him above um the reveal richie's reveal is so solid and it's just one of the most solid villain reveals in the franchise and he's just like when he when he's just like yeah i'm bummed it's me too um but like that's just such a good moment um the whole uh the whole idea that that Richie is just kind of this fandom personified is just it really resonates with me. I just think he's a really solid killer overall. Yes. Uh I obviously think that's true. I put him at number four. Um, to be honest with you, I was thinking about these rankings before we watched Five Cream. Mm -hmm. And I was certain that Richie was gonna be number five. Um, but watching it again and really watching Richie throughout the film, I was like, he's gotta be number four. And I and for me personally. I definitely am endeared. If you're going to notice it, I'm endeared to the killers who are so lame. 
uh, that when they're losing, they have the kind of like, what about my ending kind of moment? And I'm like, God, yeah, you pathetic piece of crap. Like, I kind of love them more for being so terrible. Yeah. Um, and so lame and so sad. Yeah. Uh, and that, like, that really hits home for me. And then, of course, everything about, like, genuinely in the theater, like, the moment of, you know, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. It's me. It's like, oh, God, yeah, it is a bummer. It's you, Richie. God damn it. <laughs> um, it's me more saying, oh, Jack Quaid. Yeah. And less Richie, like, more, no, Jack, he betrayed me. Right. Um, but, like, they knew what they were playing with with that and, and playing into. And then, like, his turn, I feel like he does a very good job of his, his turn into, like, not becoming a completely um unhinged character but in just being like revealing all his like revealing all his like these are my pathetic desires and lame wishes and and here's how i'm going to get it damn it i deserve it and it's it's so it's delivered so well yeah uh so for me like he he landed at number four yeah uh yeah he's five and then you know the top four i love and and richie being five he's also really really great uh it's just it's a situation of like I don't have any problems with Richie. I just like the four above just more. Sure. And that's just a show, like, this franchise has a lot of really, really great villains. Yeah. Where, like, I would even argue, like, like top six. Like, I could I could interchange Mickey and Amber maybe on a different day, but, like, as long as it's not those bottom two, like, these are all, I'm, I enjoy all these villains, really. Yeah. Bottom yeah. three. Bottom three, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So let's go to your number four. Number four, Mrs. Loomis. Okay. Ben? Higher. My number four is Billy. Nice. All right. Number four is Mrs. Loomis. Okay. I I had Mrs. Loomis number five, two number fours, but we still can't talk about Mrs. Loomis, so we'll keep on moving on uh, because Ben put her higher. Okay. Uh, My number three is Jill Roberts. Number three, Stu Mocker. All right. Number three, Stu. Huh? Number three is Stu? Number three is Stu. Brandon? Number three is Stu. Ooh, we're gonna have the same. I think we might have we might have the same top four, baby. This is this is so exciting. Love it. Okay, number two is Billy Loomis. Higher, higher. (laughs) Number Uh, two is Jim Prescott. Number two, Jim Roberts. My number two, Mrs. Loomis. Yeah. Okay, now we can talk about Mrs. Loomis. What a psycho! Oh, excuse me, Debbie Salt. Debbie Salt. Let's let's correct ourselves the reporter debbie salt i just love that she she is like the most quote-unquote sane of them and by that she might actually be the most insane because she's the only one who's like everything i'm doing is totally normal nothing i'm doing is crazy this is perfectly in line with what i'm supposed to do you hurt my baby boy i just i'm just getting revenge totally normal revenge (laughs) i just think it's hilarious i love that she has dual identities throughout the entire movie and you don't expect it i just think she's just a lovely ridiculous person Everything Ryan said mm. multiplied by five because her reveal at the end to me was just like, what? Especially when she reveals that she was Billy's mom. It's or so she stupid. is Billy's mom. And that the whole movie you see her as this bubbly reporter because I, I thought she was the next, she was going to be the dark, tried to be the next Gail Weathers who's trying Sorry. to write down these murders. And it turns out that she was the one committing them. And even when, like, I love when she was talking about how she killed Randy. He's like, oh, he was talking so much bad things about my little boy. I just got a little knife happy. It's like, wow. Knife happy. God damn. This is, it's like, all right. Okay. I, I see it now. So, yeah, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Lewis is up there for me. 
solid, Ben. I'm I'm thrilled by that. That's very exciting. Um, Mrs. Loomis ends up at my number five. Um, she ends up there because I love her again. Scream two, second favorite of my movies, but and I love how she's kind of always there but hidden. You're yeah. not. You're never looking for her. You never see her coming, and the shock value adds a lot. Mm-hmm. The thing is that. I enjoy her her reveal. I enjoy her motivation. I enjoy the inclusion of Billy Loomis's mother. I think all that's very good. And I think she performs it very well. I really like her when she gets to the reveal and everything. And I like how she exists in the background. The thing is, I just don't feel like she's present enough. And I think that's on purpose and it works out in the movie. And I will say, like, the other thing is, I'm totally on board with the manipulating Mickey thing and everything. As far as I can tell in Scream 2, she kills one person. Yeah. Um, and so not gonna beat out my, my other killers who I'm just a little more more endeared to. She's cool. I like her a lot. I really love her reveal and inclusion. Um, Scream 2 would not be the same without her. Mm -hmm. Um, I just enjoy the other killers a little bit more overall. Again, this is, these are all great things. So like us interchanging one spot, not really that big of a difference. Yeah. She ended up in my number four and I, I don't wholly disagree with Les Parks is saying, but I really enjoy her. I think she's a lot of fun. She brings a way her, her, her villain reveal is really, is really solid. And when she's there, uh, she, she brings this kind of, this kind of like maniacal mastermind energy to, uh, to the movie that I just, I just, I just think she's incredibly fun. Yeah. There's definitely a version where, you'd have to do a lot of changes, but where her masterminding in Scream 3 in the Roman role makes more sense as like the person who motivated Billy to do the killing kind of thing. Mm. (coughs) Like a mother's encouragement, a mother's calling, like this was always her, like she raised Billy to do it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to love about Mrs. Lewis. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Okay, wow, this is so fascinating. Okay, so we hit Ben's number two, Brandon number two. Jill. Jill. Yeah. Okay. I think we've all said Jill now. To, to Jill. Nope. Jill's higher. Oh, Jill's still well, higher. Well, it's his favorite. His okay. form is Yeah, favorite. that's that's fair. Okay. Man, who? I think we all, because Billy Billy's number four, Stu is my number three. I think we all said them at least. I, I, haven't, said, my, I, I haven't said Billy. Stu is my number yeah. three. And I haven't said Stu, so here we go. Okay, so my number one is Stu. My number one's Billy. Brandon? Oh, right, because yours is Jill. My, mine is Billy. Yeah, my, my, mine is Jill. Man, this is so... Okay, so I guess let's... Uh, I'll start, So, because I was first. Uh, my number one's Stu. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one is Stu, because the thing is, like, I love I love Matthew Lillard as Stu. Yeah. I've always loved Matthew Lillard as Stu. Um, I think Billy Loomis is great. I think Skeet Ulrich does a great job. Um, it's hard to fuck with the original. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's that... Billy Loomis is, I think, doing Skeet Ulrich has the slightly easier job of that. He's his he's playing the, you know, I know you think I'm the killer. So I'm playing into you thinking I'm the killer. But also I actually am the killer. So all that maliciousness, that oozy goody maliciousness is really good. Yes. Stu is kind of the wild card. And I mean that in the best way. Yeah. Stu's fun and engaging. Stu's a character who, like the first time I watched Scream, I didn't want Stu to die because I love Stu. And then it turns out Stu's a killer. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Uh, and you have to remember like going all the way back like i didn't know that was gonna happen like there was no world where i anticipated two killers it totally totally threw my world upside down and having stupid the reveal and again referencing back to what i said about richie i'm endeared to the killer who like 
kind of ends up in the place of, oh no, yeah. my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. Yeah. Um, I I love Stu. I love Stu as the like person who was manipulated by Billy slightly because he's bisexual and attracted to Billy one hundred percent and yes. wants to sleep with him. Yes, and all of that I love, and I and I love his performance and his energy and his charisma. So for me, like. Stu just takes it. Scream isn't scream without Stu. Yeah. And it's not scream without Billy, but it's but it's really not scream without to, Stu. To bounce off that, everything you just said is correct. And that is why I put Billy as my number one. Because again, this is a personal list, but like my if my number one scream killer has to be a th like threatening killer, not to someone who got taken advantage <clears throat> of killer. Mm -hmm. Uh and Stu obviously murdered people, but he was being taken advantage of by someone who knew how to manipulate him. Mm -hmm. Um, and Billy is just like, he is, he, he is the original, he is the original mastermind. And he is again, 25 years later, he is in scream five as like, as a, as a focal point for our main character. So like Billy Loomis is like, probably like besides Sydney, obviously like the most important character in this franchise. Uh, and I don't think if, if you start, if you start that scream one without, without having such a good duo of Stu and Billy, um, uh, uh, like if you only have one of them, I don't think, I don't think it would work. And like both of them together make it really work um but i just prefer uh, i mean Stu's my number three jill's my number two so like if jill weren't here it would be one and two from screen sure. right uh because i everything you said about Stu, i also love i love that he is the wild card and he's not the one you suspect and then he is he he you feel bad for him at the end even though he's a murderer uh that is a, a fascinating thing and you know that you can do that with 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 antagonists and, and film and stuff real quick i think the other thing that i want to point out about Stu, in, in contrast to billy what i love about them and i do love this genuinely about billy is when Billy, like, again, a lot of people will reference back to Stu with some later killers of how they get, like, really, really out there and crazy when they do their killer reveal. And they'll reference Stu as that point. And I'm like, that's not quite right. Uh, Billy is the one who reveals how truly psychotic and rage-filled he is at the end of Scream when he reveals he's a killer. Stu just reveals he's a killer. He doesn't change energetically. He's exactly who he was before the killer reveal. He's just as wacky and weird. Yeah. He's just also revealing that he killed people. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the things that I also endears me to Stu, but I, you know, I agree with your points about Billy. Uh, Brandon, you also put Billy at number one, so let's touch on Billy. Billy's my number two. Well, I want to talk um, about for Stu. For all reasons that I love him. And then I get to talk about Stu. Oh, right. Go ahead. Talk about Stu. Sorry. It's, Stu's my number three. Um, right. And on, honestly, quite frankly, for a lot of the same reasons that, that you, that he's your number one, Sparks. Like, I know that's going to be weird to say, but like, I do really like Stu. I think Stu is a lot of fun. Um, I, I think Matthew Lillard is delivering a great performance. And frankly, the only reason why he is at number three is because I like the two, two above him more. There really isn't any other reason than that. But I do I do 100% agree with everything that you're saying uh, about, about that character. Sure. Is it time to talk about... Ben, ben where did you put Stu? Uh, Stu's number three. Yeah. We're all, yeah. we're all Do you want to talk about Stu? Three uh, I'll, I'll talk about Stu and Billy in the same vein because uh, Billy's number four and Stu's number three. The reason why I put Stu just mm -hmm. a little bit higher is because I just like Matthew Lillard's performance more. I yeah, like sure. like because with um with um Billy and and his before and his thing, yes, it's motivated by revenge. It's motivated by this. Like you said, Stu is a wild card. That's not a bad thing. And to me, it's always the wild cards that are like the more unhinged, the more batshit crazy and the ones who are like willing to do some crazy shit and they're just like i'm just gonna do it because i'm like that so that's i mean that's why whereas billy had a good motivation kind of a good motivation Stu was the more terrifying one to me 
Like if you were to put me, if you had to say who would you rather fight, Billy or Stu? I'd rather fight Billy because I think I could take him. Stu, I don't know. Kind of weird. It's like kind of like ah, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a weird fight. Stu, so. Stu still has like my favorite line where like he, he, blood coming out of his mouth. I'm dying, man. <laughs> and, like I always think about feeling a little woozy here. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. It. And also Matthew Lillard as Stu was fantastic. Sure, love sure. It. Uh, okay, so Billy's your number one. Billy's number one. Billy's Brandon's number one. We established it's number four for Ben. Let's talk about Billy. He's my number two. Billy. Uh, it again, like it's just it's Stu just for personal reasons yeah. edging Billy out. But Billy's fantastic. You can't you can't mess with the original recipe. Like they they make scream. They make it. They're um, they start the formula. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Billy's Billy Skeet Ulrich, I think, is doing an incredible job. We touched on it when we talked about Scream. I think he's very good at playing both sides of the coin of like tricking you and not tricking you. Yes, the you. thing you said about like you you think I'm the killer, so I'm gonna play into that, but I'm not, but I am like th- it is so good in, in Scream One. So good. He's always him and Stu always appearing when they when they shouldn't be and disappearing when they shouldn't be. Uh, uh just <clears throat> great stuff. I think that Billy has you know, frankly, Billy's the original. Like, he is the mold. He is the model. They did it in one. They got. They nailed it. They built Scream around around Billy Loomis being the main killer, and it works. And that that movie lives or dies on Billy Loomis's killer reveal. I think. Um, maybe not. Maybe that's too. Maybe that's too extreme. No, but I whatever. Right I said it. I think you're right because you have to give complete credit to the original Scream that. Everybody, the first time they watch it, thinks two things. There's one killer, and it's Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. And yeah. then he gets stabbed. And they're like, oh, oh shit. what? I was wrong. And they feel bad. And then it's like, nah, you were right. There's just two. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, that's true. That's exactly what happened to everybody. It's why Scream becomes the phenomenon it does is because everybody saw that movie when it first came out and said, Billy Loomis is the killer, 100%. I don't care about that fake out with the cops. He's the killer. And then, no, he isn't. Except he is. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's brilliant. I think it's a. I think it's a brilliant killer. I think he's a brilliant character. He's a lot of fun in the role. I. I he's brilliant. I like him a lot. I really love... My favorite thing about Skeet Ulrich is I think he brings so much more depth to Billy uh, by how he does his turn when he decides to un, unveil everything on Sid. And he's so good at being... Like, it's like he and Stu are in two different endings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because Stu's, like, doing this kill reveal thing, and Billy's, like, this is very personal to Billy. And Billy's so laser-focused on Sid and what this means to him. He doesn't give a shit about Stu resting yes. on his shoulder or any of this kind of stuff. He doesn't give a fuck about Stu at this point. Yeah. It's all about his driven focus on what he was doing and why. Oh, yeah, because the whole thing, it's like, it, oh, oh, it's not personal. We're trying to like do something, and then it's like, yeah, but remember when your mom did this thing? This is totally personal. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. All right. Is it time to talk about Jillian? It is. It's Jillian. time to talk about Jill. Uh, my number two. My number three. My number two. one. Yeah, we all like her. She's great. Ben, yeah. why number one? Uh, why? Yeah, she's number because uh, she's my number one. Because of her, because of her reveal, because of the twist it takes, because the entire time she was playing the victim, because that you not once throughout the entire film did I suspect she was the killer, not once. And then when she does reveal herself to be the killer, when she takes the mask off, when she 
goes through her plan of like how she was living in the shadow of Sydney and how she wants that fame, but she can never get it. And the lengths that she goes through to make herself look to continue to play the villain role. She stabs, she not only she just kills Charlie in cold blood, she stabs herself. She cut, she takes Trevor's hand and rips her cheek open. She pulls her own hair out. She, she runs goes, into glass, throws herself on a table. She Love does it. all the things to make it look like she was attacked by Trevor. And the fact that she, and when it's revealed that Sydney survives, she's like, I gotta, I gotta go take care of loose ends. She's like, oh, oh, yay, yeah, yeah, shit. Um, just her whole unhingedness and really the shock value of her reveal got me. Yeah, the yeah. reason why she's my number one is because the entire time, and now I've only seen the movie once, I'm pretty sure upon a rewatch, I'd be like, okay, now I can see why she's the killer, she or she was one of the killers this whole time. But when she watches her own friend die in front of her, she's constantly afraid that, oh my god, my my cousin's here. My friends are dying. My friends are getting hurt. And she's orchestrating it. It's to me, it's just like chef's kiss on a, on a a great misdirect on a great, you thought, but no. Yeah. Right. Because go ahead, Sparks. I was going to say, because when screen, when Scraform comes out, she's given to us in the Sam role of five cream. She's, you know, this is the new Sydney, the new Sydney. Yeah. Get ready for the Mm -hmm. new Sydney. And nope, this is the new Billy. (laughs) It's awesome. But, but, it's, but it's that's unexpected. the but that's the point of the movie that the misdirect of the movie is here's the real here's the new Sydney. And the movie is I'm going to be the new Sydney. Right. Um I uh I have a right number two only for one reason, one reason only. Um I agree with everything Ben said. I agree with what Spark said. Brilliant character, love her so much, but she is my number two because of when she stages the scene and ends it with her. Faced with Sydney on the on the ground, brilliant Urine. scene, brilliant yeah. scene. Love her performance, brilliant character. That's why I love her motivation. She's like, oh, you know, nobody gets famous for actually doing any doing things anymore. You get famous by being a victim. You get famous by having bad things happen to you. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's true. Look, I mean, Cotton. That's what Cotton Cotton did. Um, yeah, it's just it's truly heinous. And like, it's not just the fact that she's like killing her friends. Like she's doing this to her family too. Right. Uh, to her family who has been through this already. Um, it's, it's probably like in terms of motivation, like the, the, gro- the gross, like the, the worst, like the most gruesome. Yeah. Um, it's just awful. And like, you're willing to like do all of this. And again, like to, to your family. Uh, Cause like, how come I didn't get, I didn't get any fame out of this. Like you're famous. I want to be just like There's, you. there's a callousness that that is inherent in jill because these are like people she was close to yes which like isn't isn't even nearly as steeped in as any of the other killers oh and like it like to. and because she was related to sydney like people always asked her about yeah. it and she was annoyed by it like that's a big deal that like oh somebody's asking about your cousin who almost got murdered a dozen times like you grow up girl give me a break like it's she's so good she's so good um for me she only ends up at number three because like i can't I can't put anybody over billions too. Yeah. I just can't. Like yeah. I, I love them too much. They are they are too much uh, you know, who who are screamed to me. Yeah. Um, but I will say that Emma Roberts Jill is the I think the scariest killer. Sure. Um, and I think she's the scariest killer because I think she is the most in control. I don't think she's unhinged at the end. I think she's the most 
comfortable and in control oh sure as a killer she knows who she is i think she knows exactly who she is i think she knows exactly what she wants she's not she's the one who doesn't feel pathetic to me yeah she feels like she knows exactly how the world works exactly how to get what she wants and uh and is committed to doing it again like the like the self-mutilation scene that she goes through is chilling because she is the most like again it doesn't feel like the same kind of like crazy energy that amber has or that kind of thing it's no, you like are sociopathic. You know exactly how to make this all work. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it makes Jill very scary. Um, because it also, I think it's scary because I think it's accurate because she is the most in control. Jill's the one who almost wins. Yeah, she's the one who almost gets away with it. Um, Sydney had to survive. She she almost has it. Like she has everybody in the palm of her hands through so much of that film. Whereas like the other killers don't really come close to their goal not yeah. really and you know what if she wasn't so mani- if she wasn't so maniacal i bet there's a way at the hospital where she could have killed sydney if she just more didn't open the door and start, start monologuing like a supervillain. if she was a little more stealthy and like you know would have thought about it, instead of just mm. being pure rage murder mode she could have won but she had to open that door and like oh you had to be alive didn't you sydney i'm like <laughs> come on girl have some class yeah, yeah. she's awful in the best way all right Look at that. That's that's wow. I love it. I love how ranged and various. 1996 to 2023. Screevy. We're here. Do we wanna do we wanna just reiterate what our numbers were for sure, the audience? Sure. I'll, yeah. I'll go first. Going from bottom to the top. It's at the bottom is Charlie Walker. Poor poor Charlie means nothing. Uh next is Mickey uh Altieri. Next is Roman Bridger. Next is Amber Freeman, then Mrs. Loomis, Richie Kirsch, Jill Roberts. Billy Loomis, and at the top, Stu Mocker. Oh, making a mockery of these lists. My number nine, nine to one. Charlie, Roman, Amber, Mickey, Richie, Mrs. Loomis, Stu, Jill, Billy. At number nine for me, Roman. At number eight, we got Mickey. Seven, Charlie, Amber. Number six, getting up there. Richie, also pretty up there. Billy, I know he's original, but at the same time, Stu just beats him out just barely. Mrs. Lewis with that absolutely batshit crazy reveal. Oh, my God. And my top is Jill Prescott because you never suspect her. Roberts. Jill Roberts. I said Jill Roberts. Yeah. She's Uh, related. Yeah, she's she's not related on uh, the mom's side. Yeah. Bottom to top, not sorry, number nine, Roman. Mickey, Charlie, Amber, Richie, Mrs. Loomis, Stu, Jill, Billy. Solid, oh, solid list. Nobody's wrong. These are all personal feelings of who the killers are. And and like we said, like especially when you get into those top five or six, again, like, everybody's just great and they're just edging yeah, out barely. All of our, all, like the first half and the bottom half are all the same, but just in different orders for everyone, basically. Right. So we're all, yeah. we're all right here. All we right. all know who didn't work and who worked. Yes. <laughs> Sparks, can I have a can I ask you a question real quickly? Is this coming out before or after Ant Man and the Wasp? Uh, definitely after Ant Man. Cool. So, guys, you can check out our review of Ant Man and the Wasp up now if you want to check it out on on the Fake Nerd Podcast uh, family of podcasts. This has been Scream. This has been this is now all the Scream movies. We did it. We did Scream one, two, three, four, five, and we will review six when it is out in theaters. Um, but now you can check out all the Scream films. Let me tell you. I was excited for Scream 5, but now that we've done this journey, my anticipation for Scream 6 is through the roof. 
Uh, yeah. Especially after we, we finished Scream 5, I was like, can we please watch the Screevy trailer right now so I have all this context? And like, Kirby's there, all the homies are there. We got new people, we got old people. Uh, we got a shrine of Screams. We got the original mask potentially from the first movie. So much cool shit. Is it a theater troupe? I'm still guaranteeing it. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to revisit my killer rankings after Scream Six and put Tony Revolori on that list for sure. <laughs> Calling it now. He's a killer. Uh, all right, so that'll do it, uh, guys. Of course, you can check out all all of our our scream our, our scream discussions. They will be available um, independently of the episodes they were on, so you can have all five to to listen to or watch. Um, and you if don't you have to go already. through. If you haven't already, exactly. Uh, if you're also like, oh, I just don't have the time to watch all the Scream movies before Screevy. Uh, let me just, let me let me do it now. Oh, wait, now I can watch the Fakener podcast discussion on the Scream franchise. I'm like, yes, you can. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I moved my mic, whatever. Um, hmm? Five Cream. Oh, five, five Cream, yeah. Um, for audio listeners, um, uh, Ryan has a lidocaine 5% cream uh, picture on the back of his Anaste- Anesthetic cream, thank you. Uh, yes. So yes, yeah, so of course you can check out all sorts of things on this channel. If you like this video, subscribe to this podcast. You can check out um, our Fickner's Watch series, which we are going, which we have a few Fickner's Watch series going. But probably by the time that you're doing, that you're watching or listening to this, such as uh, The Last of Us, Sparks and Ryan and good friend Pi talking about The Last of Us. Yes, we are. Um, I will hopefully have started my my discussion with Cookie from just a little podcast on Star Trek Picard. Uh, season three has finally aired. Uh, it's here, and we're going to talk about it for sure. So Love stay it. tuned for that. Of course, the um, uh, Fake Nerds Watch audio feed is busy, guys. There's a lot of things on that audio feed now. I dropped uh, the the Star Trek Picard season one and two discussions and the Loki discussions. They're there. There, you can check them out in audio format right now. Of course, if you'd like to subscribe to that, Basement Arcade, which is a video game Let's Play series, Basement Arcade Pause Mini, which is our video game discussion series, which uh, Ben hosts primarily to talk about video games, which he just did with uh, video game history with uh, Retro Game Brews. Did I do that mm-hmm. right, Ben? That's true. That's correct. That is the most recent episode that you can check out. Uh, it is out there. And of course, Animation Station and Basement Arcade. Nope. Animation Station and Fickner Book Club. Isn't there also a pause menu ep- audio episode out? Audio only? There is a pause menu audio episode up. We we have uh, in order to make our podcast a little bit more accessible, our four hour long podcast a little bit more accessible. We are accessible. We are taking uh, excerpts from it. This most recent week was episode, was episode three fourteen where you guys discussed the Nintendo Direct. That is now audio only on the Basement Arcade podcast feed. Yes, uh, so you can check that out. That's Love up it. now. And of course, you can check out our mothership show, our mothership show, Fake Nerd Podcast, the 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 show to end all shows, the the glory be that she be. Um, you can check out where we talk about news, we talk about movies, we talk about comic books, we talk about all sorts of things. Uh, the most recent episode that has aired at the time that you're watching or listening to this would be our discussion on Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. What do we think of it? I loved it. I hated it. Can you pick one of those depending on what we? What we what we land on sparks? Thanks, that'd be sure. great. I um, give it a insert number out of ten. I'm gonna I'm, whatever <laughs> Brandon's actual feelings are. I'm gonna say he hated it. <laughs> no, no matter what. <laughs> um, so of course you can check out that. And coming what? up, no Michael Pena unsubscribe. <laughs> I'm already sad. Don't remind me. Yeah, me too, a little bit. But hey, we'll see it tonight. Uh, coming up, probably in the week after. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe Cocaine Bear. Maybe we've got a ghost. We've got options maybe no topic we'll see 
Um, well, well, we, we uh, stay tuned for that. And that's that. So guys, check us out on T public or Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, fake nerd guys on all the social medias, fake nerd guys at gmail.com. I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for CBR.com, Kaijuraman.com, Kaijuramanmedia.com, and AtomicGeekdom.com. I've got a couple pieces up on both on all the websites. Check them out if you want. Ben? You can find me apparently screaming into work at Ben927 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can also find me writing for uh, find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fuji Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein where you get a real scream at our Dungeons & Dragons D&D Dark podcast. So go ahead and check that out. Sparks. Uh, you can find me getting creamy with the screevy at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. I'm excited. I can't wait. This is going to be a thrilling time. I'm so glad Ben did this with us. I'm, I'm excited. Ryan. You can find me 200%, 200% convinced that a theater trooper or the killer is for Scream 6 until the day I die at DJ Tony Snark 616. <laughs> wait, I want to be clear. The movie will come out. It might not be that. If it's not that, you will remain 200% convinced yeah, no, yeah. that it is. No, I will write a, hey guys, I found the screenplay that in you is crazy. You're going to be the true fan. I Yeah, Scream 7's about me. All right, like this video, subscribe to our channel, subscribe to us on all the podcast catches of your choice. Uh, and until next time you see us, guys, stay fake nerds. Yeah.